0: Welcome to Taiwan Noir 4 and we are continuing to highlight the ladies as tonight's movies bring back Karen Yang, director Karen Yang, and lead actress Liu Xiaofeng to the show. But also we bring in a male talent doing some of his, in my opinion, we'll see what happens when we discuss it, some of his best work during this new wave era. This man is called Richard Chen. And tonight we'll be looking at his ripoff slash remake of Abel Ferrara's Rape Revenge Thriller, Miss 45. And Richard Chen's version is called Girl with a Gun. And Karen Yang's movie Exposed to Danger will also be reviewed by us. And uh, that also rips off, rips off rather key imagery from a known horror franchise, what would be a known horror franchise of dates, it rips off key imagery from from its first movie so we'll talk about that later and yet we love taiwan cinema because without this imagery the local audience anyway might never had gotten a chance to see see it at all so um sometimes maybe it's good to rip off movies so we'll talk about that later on in the show and my name is kenny b and with me again is of course john charles
1: hey sleazy k how are you doing
0: it's kenny b sleazy k is a different character Way different character. A lot more potty-mouthed character.
1: You mean we're not doing
0: Rape by an Angel tonight? No. You know, oh, no.
1: okay. I, I'm sorry, Mr. Brosson.
0: I'd <laughs> like to have fun with you. <laughs> I, I, I will at some point uh, start, to, um, start to mix up the characters and start to go slowly insane as the shows uh, increase on this network. <laughs> <laughs> Who am I? Am I Kenny B? Sleazy B? Kenny Sleaze? I don't know what's going on anymore. Well, <laughs> well, folks, we do have some sleaze in
1: tonight's broadcast, so if that's why you tuned in, but just stay tuned. We'll get to it.
0: Yeah, not as much, uh, not as much fart uh, humor and uh, and uh, potty mouths as on this weekend's sleaze. As, as uh, a listener, although it was a good piece of criticism for once, but we did get a bit, a bit of a criticism from a listener, thinking that this weekend's sleaze was way too much uh we lean way too much on the fart jokes and the potty uh, and the potty humor (laughs) um but 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 you know it was not a a troll like comment it was actually a constructive comment uh, in a way he said he just said like it's not my type of show even though i replied back saying i stand by the product i think he was referring to rape by an angel the rape by an angel show that we did but i said i stand by the product we did the cast and crew we discussed we reviewed but the movies also goofy as well so it's hard not to fall into the trap of being a little bit goofy every now and again
1: yeah you can't get too scholarly about the Rape by an Angel series
0: but uh, my god when we when he hears uh, as of this recording we haven't released it yet but my god when he hears our hardcore porn yeah, uh, oh. <laughs> show, but this week is least show. Uh, he, he, if he ever wanted to, if he, if he ever felt like, I might give those guys a chance again. And when he uh-huh. hears that, what I start with on that show will make him turn off immediately. <laughs> I I set the tone <laughs> immediately. <laughs> I I think we're talking about Ghoul Sex Squad and mindfuck. Yes. Yes, yes, sir.
1: The infamous, the one and only.
0: Yeah, and but you know what? I'm very proud of the show. We actually uh, it's uh, we gave the movies a spotlight. We discussed them, we reviewed them, and uh, you you can't be boring and scholar like when doing those When doing those movies. You shouldn't really. So, but but you know what? I stand by the product, but I I like the feedback that we got from the listener. It could have been nasty for the sake of being nasty. It wasn't. So, mm. you know, valid feedback. Okay and uh, we'll run through some contact information and uh, you'll find out where you can leave some feedback uh, amidst all of this, uh, all of these uh, pieces of information. So this is Taiwan Noir on the Podcast on Fire network website for all of the shows including this one Podcastonfire.com email for feedback podcast on fire at googlemail.com. We have the, the now closed forum, podcastonfire.com forward slash forum, closed due to spam, closed due to discussion heavy, take, take a hike over to Facebook, which is all good. But uh, if you've registered before, you still have access to the members-only archive, where we included outtakes and exclu- exclusive content before. Now when we do exclusive content where we feel we can get some um, length to them, you know, to a bonus episode format, we'll post them on the uh, in the bonus episode uh, category on the website those are mini podcasts if you will that will never be available on itunes or stitcher only exclusively on podcastonfire.com and as i said we have uh, two things on facebook we have our page facebook.com forward slash pof network and we have the main discussion going on in our discussion group that you can reach by typing in podcast on fire network in the facebook search box so uh, request to be added and uh, i'll add you as soon as i see it And we also have our Twitter account, twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire. And uh, I do writing off, among other things, Taiwanese movies and IFD movies and what have you, on sogoodreviews.com and sleazykvideo.com is where you'll find some mini bite-sized video reviews of such movies. And follow me on Twitter as well, twitter.com forward slash sogoodreviews. As mentioned, we are on iTunes. You can subscribe to the entire network on iTunes. And if you do so, if you like the show, we would very much appreciate a rating and a comment if you like the show. And you can also stream us via Stitcher if you don't like downloading entire podcasts to your device. You can download the Stitcher app from Stitcher.com directly to your computer or directly to your smartphone or tablet. That app is free and once you're in Stitcher, type in Podcast on Fire Network and you can add each show individually including Taiwan One. And uh, also, I uh, always put this in the wrong order, but I, but I gotta mention this uh, before you do your plugs. The blog, as always, that we admire, Golden Ninja Warrior Chronicles, we've linked to all the posts that cover Taiwan Black movies. And what that means is uh, Jesus, who runs this blog, he identifies the movies behind the various cut-and-paste products that IFD and Filmark put out if they are Taiwanese movies. he uh, he tries to ID them, uh, the uh, the original movies, and if they uh, are available. Sometimes they don't even have an English, t- English title. They are that rare. But uh, as always, Jesus is doing a really an incredible detective uh, job for absolutely nothing in return other than admiration from here and there, which is <laughs> incredibly adm- <laughs> admirable to it. <laughs> That's right. And uh, so check out this blog. And uh, over to you, John, uh, talking about your blog and your other endeavors.
1: Yeah, my blogspot blog, blog is called by John Charles. That's all one word. I'm on Twitter at uh, JC Guelph, J-C-G-U-E-L-P-H. Uh, my Hong Kong Digital blog is still around. hasn't been updated, but there's lots of old reviews there. And I'm in Video Watchdog, and I'm also a part-time host on the demolition men podcast um mm. we recently covered uh, the dark Knight rising and the total recall remake and 80s action cinema so uh you can uh, if you enter demolition men podcast into google it'll take you to the old game reviewer website and you can uh, get episodes there or via itunes
0: and there will certainly link to those as well and uh although this um, is probably not topical by the time this comes out but in short uh, how was total recall for you the remake.
1: uh very flashy very empty Mm-hmm. Once you, once you, as I say, once you take all the running, jumping, shooting and uh, falling out of it, there's really not much there. It's, it's just a generic remake with, with no humor and none of the personality of the Paul Verhoeven film. Mm-hmm. If you like a lot of special effects, it'll dazzle your eyeballs, but your brain will just doze off.
0: And apparently there are light flares as well, if you like that. There's a <laughs> yeah. lot of them in that.
1: Yeah, that's a Len Wiseman specialty.
0: <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of on topic here because we are covering a remake although a lot more it's a more faithful remake if you will but uh, we'll discuss if that's a good thing or not and uh, we are therefore neatly led into the discussion and review of girl with a gun from 1982 and before we go into the plot and review uh, there's some brief notes on the director and lead actress and i got help again from sylvia roram of our two-fisted podcast here on the network yeah because she she studies chinese and she uh, she likes to translate things you know she'd like to put her uh, her acquired knowledge uh, to use you know to practical use so, so bless her and richard is uh, quite a big figure really in taiwanese anyway he has a great great big reputation despite not being necessarily the most frequent one but uh, He's really been called a true film pioneer in Taiwan cinema, according to bios out there. And uh, he was born in uh, Skechuan in 1945. His parents emigrated to Taiwan subsequently and, uh, as many filmmakers, started watching films when he was little. little, And uh, when in uh, Latias in uh, school years he graduated with a degree in architecture and then moved to the U.S. to attend the UCLA film school and got a degree in documentary filmmaking. And uh, he also made a documentary during that time about the lives of early immigrants to Taiwan. But uh, when he did come back to Taiwan uh, in, um, later on in 1970, he directed his first movie, A Test of Love. Then made popular movies such as Judy's Lucky Jacket. That sounds just like a lovable title. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe it's a dark-ass movie, who knows. But uh, being in the 70s, there's a great chance that it's a it's a romantic melodrama or, or a light romantic movie. But uh, our movies run, Lover Run, The Diary of D.D. Uh, those were among uh, the movies he made. And the last movie that I mentioned, The Diary of D.D., was nominated for Best Film after. At the fifteenth Golden Horse Awards in Taiwan, and uh, Richard has also done stage drama and taught film classes subsequently. I mean, he's still active, not necessarily in film, uh, but uh, but was on TV because in 2002 he was nominated at Taiwan's Television Awards, the Golden Bell Awards, for best TV drama series, and uh, I I wasn't actually. 100% sure if he won or not so I, I actually made a note of one of the nom- nominees but I'm not, not sure it was actually his uh, his uh, TV series that they translated as love, drama, brotherhood, moonlight. That was the one that won at that rate. And uh, he, he He's doing less work as I said but his presence is still important in Taiwanese film. He, he can be seen all over the news still. I mean at the time of recording it said that he has collaborated with a painter uh, that was uh, last year, 2011, on some kind of project. Uh, the translations uh, didn't um, provide a clear picture. So active, doing less mainstream work, uh, more arty projects. Uh, and uh, Sylvia described him as could be he could be described as kind of kind of like a beat Takeshi type of uh, character. He, as he paints and sponsors artists and project because uh, his name will get uh, will get backers and attention, if you will.
1: I haven't seen too many of his films, but I did see Run, Lover, Run. It's a light romantic comedy with uh, Bridget Lin and Alan Tang. It's it's a nice, uh, fun, frothy little film. It's worth seeking out.
0: Yeah, I've seen a few of Richard's uh, movies, actually. Uh, mainly, mainly this one, Devil Returns, and then I saw Inferno Thunderbolt, which was this cut-and-paste movie with Richard Harrison that he used his movie, The Anger, as its uh, source movie. Mm. And you can see quite a bit of The Anger in it, so you could also... Uh, can't determine that uh, it was a so-so movie originally. Because there's a lot of it still in there, but uh, it's a a fairly fun cut-and-paste product, if you will. And and one of the ones where Richard Harrison is definitely more awake. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, well, you know, it gets a sex scene and some action scenes. And, uh, you know, holy hell, if they could afford scripts where scripts were actually... You know, blood packs exploded. You know, actual special effects. So, so Inferno Thunderbolt is there, um is, uh, is a mighty high budget coming from IFT? If, we...
1: if he ever saw the finished film, I'm sure he'd say, "Well, why couldn't I be in the scenes with Liu Xiaofan?"
0: Mm. <laughs> Especially when uh, she mud wrestles. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure she. Uh, he he would have uh, liked to attend that but uh, you know. Mm. And uh, the lead actress of Girl with a Gun is uh, Ying Xia, aka Silver Xia. That's a wonderful english name yeah. and uh, she's the sister of taiwanese screen queen chen chen and uh, a singer and teen idol from 80 87 roughly we're still talking yingsha short rubber and had a relatively short movie career and uh, faded out of the movie industry in the in 1986 1987. Uh, she was born to a high level military father her mother uh, had been a mainland actress as well so it's an entertainment uh family if you will she got a good education in taiwan and even san francisco and recorded her first album in taiwan in 1977 then returned to viewers apparently to go back to school and her album at, during that time was a hit uh, with uh, students and uh, as sylvia writes uh, i assume this is high school and college kids and uh, that hit hit led her to the entertainment uh, industry that the part of the entertainment industry that means make movies, be in movies, and uh, she yeah you know uh, she, she did a few as we said uh, not a whole lot then she continued to live in the U.S. and return to Taiwan to shoot uh, ten movies until as I said uh, 1987 where she kind of faded out after that and she she was very popular in Taiwan and Malay uh, Malaysia and uh, so she was given her own TV show for for a time and uh, was a popular. Hostess, MC, presenter for award shows, film festivals, and other TV shows, and uh, this was after her movie career for a few years, uh, up until 1989, essentially, and that uh, that was it. And uh, she's apparently not in the public light, if you will, anymore.
1: So she probably married some rich guy and is just a housewife now.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, and and uh, still, you know, did. Quite a bit, not just uh, in the entertainment industry, but, you know, um, for herself you know, as well, you know, education, singing, a few movies. And uh, the only movie I saw with her, aside from uh, this one, was a complete opposite. I mean, I like her in this one. I saw a movie where I didn't like her at all, and that, it was the movie that you reviewed as well on your site, Women Warriors of Kinmen. She was annoying as hell in that movie. Very ditzy. <laughs> and uh that was the one that was retitled at id2 pink, pink force, force come on,
1: pink force warriors
0: that's right sorry can't confuse my pink forces uh, i know <laughs> i should know better than that but uh you're uh, forgiven yeah but uh so that that's pretty much it on uh on on ying I and uh even though you know in my mind this is the only role of the ones I've seen that is good. I mean, I, I have a feeling it's going to be the one that will stand out the most. It feels like a role, a rare role for her when she, uh, when she, when she was given something different. I have a feeling they cast her in lighter, romantic, comedic stuff uh, otherwise. Although the Thunderbolt Commander, uh, looking yeah. at her, uh, her filmography here, might be yeah. a cool little film. It's an action movie. so
1: hmm. Yeah, I'd like to see that.
0: Based on the title alone, sometimes you, you pursue things, <laughs> you know, uh, and it, re- it really sounds like an IFD title, probably isn't, but um, uh, we'll see, it might be a movie in the Ocean Shores catalogue. Ocean Shores had a whole bunch of Taiwanese movies, so um, and I, I have actually uh, a version of the, of the Ocean Shores uh, Laserdisc catalogue anyway, so I might flick through that to see if I can find the Thunderbolt Commander and uh and la- later on she appeared uh, she's actually credited um uh, making a movie in 1987 you know past her career called crackdown mission but we'll talk about that movie uh, at the tail end of the review and what that is it's a special one so the plot before we go into a review here and this is from my review of the film after her parents death penny again played by Ying shaw goes mute after this particular tragedy she works at a clothes designing company for Jimmy, played by Alan Tam, and uh, on her way home one day, Penny goes through one attempted rape in an alley, but also an actual one by a burglar that is still in her apartment when she arrives. And she manages to get the upper hand and uh, manages to kill the burglar, and this sets Penny on a path of killing, and bit by bit uh, also getting rid of the chopped up body of the first victim in her apartment uh, that's uh, also on her agenda if you will the, the the first thing we got the first thing i think we got discussed right you know right out of the gate and uh, i i know i've been a little bit uh, immature and playful about this fact that i don't think a uh, girl with a gun i think it's a, re- a remake that stands on its own and it's not a ripoff at all i mean obviously it is <laughs> but so but 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 here's my take on it and i'll let you have your take on it after that uh Again, uh, Abel Ferrara's movie, I think, it was made two years before. It was released two years before. It's a 1980 movie. This is 1982. Really good, Rape Revenge, really, in my my mind. Short and efficient and to a point. And a huge step up from Driller Killer for Abel Ferrara, in my book, anyway. I mean, it's, yeah, a, I- it's a polished movie. And, uh, you know, I've said it before, that I, as I said, I don't think it's ripping off Miss Fortify. Truth be told, it is shot for shot similar at points you know very similar in terms of a plot beats about 95 percent, exactly the same as miss 45 to be really fair so you know I, i i can agree on that but i have no problems with this very fact because i think richard chen's execution using someone else's template is still quite good i I like it. It's harsh stuff. Ying Xiu is effective. The violence is raw and gritty. The visuals are okay in that regard. It's not New York City necessarily, but still quite okay. And there's no need here for a huge uh, for a huge blood bath. I mean, there's, a blood, there's blood bath here, but there's not a whole lot of blood shed here. And uh, the one beat that Richard Chen injects himself, and I'll talk about that later, but I'll say what it is now, it's the he's got the whole world in his hands scene makes it very emotional for me and uh ying Shaw gets you know in my mind she 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 provides an iconic performance uh, thanks to the choices in the movie the choices being copying another movie as well you know it it, it works for me and uh, a lot of it is non-verbal as well and you don't you don't come you you don't do that per by looking at another movie and copying it beat by beat you don't you don't necessarily get the same effect. I mean, look at the Psycho remake. Just because you copied beat by beat doesn't mean exactly the same effect. So I think it works, but I I, I take back what I've said before a little bit. Anyway, that I think it's a remake that stands well on its own. I mean, it is ninety five percent exactly the same as Miss Forty Five. So I'll give you that. So 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 over to you uh, on do you think? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I I guess the question is, do you think it hurts? Uh, Girl with a Gun that it is in fact uh, such a close remake or rip-off for Ms. 45.
1: Yeah, I mean every time I want to praise this film I just think well, it's not your idea <laughs> and it's not even your camera setup. I mean, we're used to Hong Kong and Taiwan films lifting ideas and segments and beats from films but I mean this film just copies Ms. 45 so slavishly. Um, it's, as a Taiwanese exploitation film yeah, it's, it's good. It's definitely above average. Um, but if you are interested in this film, uh, you should see it before you see Ms. 45.
0: Um, mm-hmm. It I, will feel very redundant uh, watching both in a row. Like, wait a minute, I've seen this, I've seen this, I've seen this.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, I watched the two back-to-back just the other mm. night, and I can't... Offhand, I can't really think of anything about Chen's film that is better than um, Abel Ferrara's. No.
0: Yeah, I agree on that, I agree on that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, it's the is the more effective one? I mean, uh, also it, you never ever. I mean, okay, you you remember, being sure from this movie, but you never ever forget Zoe Lund's, uh the imagery of Sauron, the various uh, various. Uh, various stages of her in miss 45 i mean that, that that's kind of immortal in my mind i don't know if you like miss 45 or not do you like miss 45
1: oh i like it quite a bit I, I'm, I'm not a big abel ferrara fan generally but i really like miss 45 i mean for mm-hmm. a sixty-two thousand dollar movie it's remarkably well made mm-hmm. um, if that's probably even cheaper than what uh, girl with a gun cost i'd be willing to bet yeah I uh, bet so. but uh, zoe i mean she's got a remarkable face and she's she, her, her face and her eyes communicate so much in that, that movie. She's mm. really, really, really effective.
0: Okay, so we'll, we'll stop right there and we'll, uh, we'll inject a little bit about IFT right now before we continue. Uh, we are watching, we watched, rather, again, the IFT presented version of Girl with a Gun that was retitled to Fury in Red. There's also a Conan Lee movie called Fury in Red that was made in Hong Kong in like some time in the 90s, I think. So don't confuse it with that. And uh, the IFD released uh, Fury and Red in 1985. Unfortunately, uh, Tokuma Japan requested a full widescreen print for their VHS release back in the day. So, not only do we get Girl with a Gun uh, in widescreen, if you will, but also intact, because this is not a cut and paste product. They presented the movie, merely dubbed, uh, changed the credits a little bit, you know, made up some... Cast and crew name, but most of the key casting crew are actually uh, uh, they they still uh, they still have the correct credits, if you will. I don't know necessarily if Ying Shaw went by the name of Angela before, but IFT gave her the the international name, if you will, Angela Yin, which is fine. It's not uh, uh, it's not a strange name <laughs> because on IFT credits you got a whole lot of strange names. <laughs> Uh on, uh on one print I saw yesterday that I'll talk about later. The editor was Homer Kwong. Yes. Who haven't heard of Homer, Homer Kwong the legend?
1: <laughs> <Homer>
0: <laughs> but uh Ocean Shores in Hong Kong released The Girl with a Gun as well. It's a cropped version and uh, it it's watchable. I mean it has um, it, it has the advantage of having the original soundtrack and uh, despite being cropped uh, from full widescreen they reformed uh, formatted the subtitles so you could still see uh see all the subtitles on on screen as ocean shores did often the problem here is they still forgot to put subtitles on on some some scenes in the movie and quite a quite a number of scenes in the movie mm. uh, a bit sloppy but then again a lot of the movies uh, a lot of the movie girl with gun that is is done through the non-verbal so it's not like when i watched it on vcd i i actually got the whole movie despite you just noticed that okay come on subsider wake up wake up <laughs> but um you know as i said a uh, casting crew such as richard chen and alan tam have their credits intact as well and um you know, you know I, I still see it as a brave uh, choice by rfd to to uh to take this package deal of Taiwanese movies which i presume it was that, that they bought like a 10 15 movies as part of a package deal and and still presenting them intact yeah exploitation movies they may be but still they it's a sign of somewhat bravery on their part and okay they weren't deep 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 into the ninja craze as such i think they started in around about 1984 making cut and paste movies in general. There are various Thunderbolt movies. But still, uh, I'm, I'm very glad that uh, the choice was made, even though it might have been a five-second choice to leave Girl with a Gun alone and just retitle it to Fury in Red and rescore it and uh, and, and dub it, obviously, competently. Du- dub it fairly competently, anyway. Uh, so thank you, IFD, for that. Uh, I, I do seen by the way, uh, Girl with a Gun... Um, on uh, before in uh, god with the gun, or has it always been Fury in red for you?
1: Uh, no, I haven't seen the Chinese version. Just the IFD. Mm. Oh, sorry, uh, I was just gonna say. So you saw this before you saw Miss Forty Five?
0: Yes, actually. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I, 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 I even I, I didn't know at all about Miss Forty Five. So I only connected it when I, uh, I think when I read up a little bit on Miss Forty Five before I watched it a few months ago okay like, hey, wait a minute this is film... oh <laughs> oh <laughs> now i get it <laughs> but it didn't make me hate uh richard chan or anything i still think it's um an effective film but uh i'll let you li- lead us off um john uh you stated your your brief opinion of the movie so what do you want to mention first
1: well one way this differs from the ferrara film is that we have a whole setup and uh well basically bookending scenes um, there's a news commentary at the, at the front of the film discussing an attack by a mental patient and how this, there's a severe strain on the Hong Kong mental health system uh, yes this is another Taiwan film set, at, set in Hong Kong mm-hmm. um, and that provides a reason for why our heroine might have gone over the edge like we find out her parents died and she's been mute ever since
0: I, um, I don't remember even, I, I watched it yesterday Miss Fortify, I still don't remember did they give any reason why Zoe Lan's character was mute in Miss Fortify
1: no, and I thought that was one of the most interesting things about it. Ferrara uh-huh. doesn't doesn't worry about uh, context. He just mm-hmm. gives us the character. I and mean, We know everything we need to know about her almost immediately.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, I'm not sure if the, the if Richard Chen decided to do that um, to provide the social context for the film or maybe just to pad it out a bit. I mean, The Girl with a Gun is about 10 minutes longer than Ms. 45. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the thinking was there.
0: We we can connect a little bit back to the section in the documentary Taiwan Black Movies that specifically speaks of movies uh, being the Taiwanese, East, if you will, and they have Girl with a Gun playing over that uh, section. That uh, they may they set them in Hong Kong to avoid some problems possibly with censors lo- locally, uh, but but also to make it uh, a neutral film in a way to not date it as such, to not shoot it at shoot should, uh, should it at recognizable Taiwan Taiwanese location so to yeah. keep it like it's a city in this case we'll, we'll set it in Hong Kong just in case uh, but it's not like they are mean-spirited about that fact like, <laughs> look at what's going on in Hong Kong <laughs> they suck <laughs> and they, they have social problems we don't it's not propaganda in that regard at least not in my mind
1: yeah, well, Taiwan was a dictatorship at that point. So, I mean, mm. dictatorships tend to frown on movies that offer any kind of criticism or make mm. society seem like it's not perfect. So, I mean, a way to get around that was to set it in Hong Kong. And films like this, they, I think they knew in advance they're going to have to bargain with the censors anyway over certain elements. And I think looking at this movie, we can tell where they have. Yes. Uh, so they just get that whole social context thing in there because that helps smooth things over a bit, I think.
0: But but we get those recognizable sequences uh fairly quick, just like in Miss Fortify, in, in this case, it's, a, uh, it's an attempted rape in the alley, in uh, Richard Chen's movie, and then the uh, rape and, uh, and murder in the apartment. Uh, I mean, it's still, in my mind, it's, it's still quite eerie and uh, just uh, heartbreaking that, uh, you know, she has such, in this case, she has the worst luck, you know, she yeah. lost her parents, that happened, another thing happened, you know, a gun in her mouth just five minutes after she's been uh, she's been violated, and uh perhaps there's a comment here prob- that that comment is thankfully not an overbearing one because richard chen still makes this a very um a tiny movie in a way and what i mean by that is it's just her she she snaps and and goes into action if you will and so so it's a very uh it's a very, uh, M- movie set in a tiny bubble just like miss Fortify was and that that's okay you know no overbearing explanations about uh about uh why she snaps i mean we we can say safely say though that uh, that that there's uh it's not far fetched that s- something will happen to her mentally after this violation you know in this case it turns into uh turns into you know revenge on everyone Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the uh, the imagery of the rapist putting the gun in her mouth. The, the rape scenes in both films are very short, even in Ferrara's movie. And mm-hmm. that Ferrara's film doesn't include a shot like that. It's, uh, I, I, thought, I don't know if it's a cultural thing, whether they, they thought uh, Richard Chen thought he could put that in and that something censors would allow and it would make the scene seem more disturbing. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was interesting that Ferrara didn't resort to doing something like that. Because like I guess it seems like an obvious choice as these yeah. scenes go.
0: Do you think Richard Chen uh, had a cameo as the rapist in this one? (laughs) (laughs) Just like in Miss (laughs) Fortify.
1: Well, I don't know. Who knows? Ferraro's trying to save money by doing the role himself, or if it's, ai don't know, a directorial (laughs) thing. Maybe, I don't know. I don't even want to speculate.
0: But but, but the guy uh, in that alleyway attempted rape in in, uh, Girl with a Gun. He has has a a plastic bag over his head. It looks like he's he can probably die at any moment you know he's uh, <laughs> you know it, there's not much oxygen in there in, in miss 45 uh, abel Ferrara has a, a mask yeah uh, it's one
1: of, a, one of those creepy clear plastic masks like they yeah. were in last house on dead end street
0: so 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 i began speculating all although i shouldn't really and go with a gun like this is a obviously a messed up rapist that wants to die mid-act or something like that because it you know it looks like for real too you know even for, for the actor that it didn't look comfy, as i said it looked like a Thick bag of his head yeah, that he uh, that he was forced to breathe through as much as he could anyway.
1: Yeah, the scenario is his ver- version of uh, autoerotic asphyxiation, apparently. No. Sure. Well, let's 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 talk about um, censorship since we were talking about that. Um, mm-hmm. Now, several scenes in in the in girl with a gun are presented in negative. The scenes where she's chopping up the body, she's putting body pieces in the fridge, and so on, except for one at the very end when the landlady opens the fridge and mm. there's the severed head in there. Do you think it was a case of the censor saying, okay, we'll give you one shot where you can show that? And so he decided to pick that shot because it's a big shock moment.
0: Mm, yeah, good, good point. They they, they are f- frames of the head, though. Not one frame per se, but they are quick shots. Uh, I, I don't really know what the... Obviously, we're talking, as you said, uh, sense of stepping in here but for a while though it kind of works it's kind of eerie initially the way these scenes turn into into negative but after a while you realize like that they had to do it like mid-movie when it happens again as soon as any glimpse of the parts uh, body parts in the bags no cut to negative so it's it goes from a stylish eerie moment to kind of like i i know what happened here (laughs) <laughs> you know, I know a compromise happened here. And and maybe, as we said, m- maybe we can speculate. I guess all we want uh, the head in the freezer is, uh, was uh, something uh, Richard fought for and won, or they forgot.
1: <laughs> could be, could be. I'm sure IFD would have preferred to have the, without the uh, solarizing effect. Sure. But but, 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 well but, but
0: having uh, said that, uh, IFD actually, um, it's a longer sequence, slightly longer sequence in the IFD version. I, I, w- once upon a time, I played with ECD side by side and uh it's um it's uh, the first they, they, There's there's let me see if i can explain this properly There's a shot a fairly long shot to, uh where you see yin uh, yin shuo sitting, sitting on the floor and sawing into uh, sewing into her first victim and that shot is not there it's like two seconds not too graphic but you you get like a, a master shot almost of uh there of her in uh, sitting there in the kitchen or or in the bathroom uh so saw, sewing uh sewing up this guy uh so there, there's, there's a one extra shot if you will in the i f d version but still you know i i'm glad I prefer that version because i get kind of the full sequence you know mm. but but do you like how partly how how you know richard chen for for me anyway he he make he takes advantage of it for the very first time we see things turning to negative you know it, it is kind of eerie but uh, do you like even the first so to say forced choice
1: yeah it's it's disorienting I, I, one thing i noticed that there, one of the well i wouldn't say one of the best scenes but a very effective scene in ferrara's film is uh where zoe is looking in the bathroom mirror and a rapist's gloved hand just reaches inside her top out of nowhere and she's just mm-hmm having these delusions,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, there's a variation, the Tamer variation on that in uh, Chen's film, but he also adds a second delusion where she, um, she imagines a policeman breaking into the apartment mm-hmm. uh, to arrest her. So it emphifi- it, I guess it emphasizes the paranoia.
0: Um, mm-hmm.
1: It's not as well staged as the other scenes. Um, I don't know if it's really necessary, but I guess it's to help, help the viewer um, just realize just how mentally ill she is at that point.
0: Yeah, and I actually do like that stretch of the movie quite a bit because uh, she, we we get to see her breakdown in the face of all of this. You know, there's a, in my mind, a believable breakdown when uh, Chen just stays on her. She, I think, she wakes up and just bursts into tears. You know, about all these things, and and it's it's a moment we are not let out of either. And uh, I think she is very believable, and you 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 do feel for her as she uh, as uh, you know anyone would would break down in the face of all all this the, this violation and what have you. And uh, and also I like how the um, I mean th- th- this is all cliche, but I like how Richard o- almost shoots any scene in her apartment at this stage at this stage in the movie like a horror movie because the contrast of light and dark uh, is there, you know, and uh, and even catches her in. Which is not a horror cliche but catches her in silhouette almost but you still get the full kind of emotional effects uh, of her just being you know emotional and about to have another breakdown so, so so i like some of the stylish decisions here and richard might have stolen his yeah uh, you know the, the like for slow motion from Miss 45 because I've, I've not seen any prior Richard Chen movies but I think I'm thinking that he got a liking for it here yeah, but uh, I don't know I, I'm weak for it though uh, even that scene where the cops, uh, the dream where cops burst into her apartment you know <clears throat> slow motion can be very eerie um, in my mind You know, I'm very weak for it so um, I, I actually do like the stylish moments there are here even though they are taken from someone else essentially
1: now what did you think of the um, addition of the police to the film because in ferrara's film we don't see any presence of the police until the the last reel i mean a couple detectives show up and that's it but we have a whole not quite a subplot but a whole secondary sequence of scenes um with the detective and a a female police officer who figures Mm -hmm. it later on um i thought the lack of police presence in ferrara's film made it uh, more offbeat more or original, mm-hmm. it, having the police uh, in the plot as more prominently as Girl with a Gun does makes the film seem a little more conventional. I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess that's the, that's my main view as well. I mean, it's functional, of course. It doesn't, uh, you know, slow down the film or anything, but uh, it also reeks of uh, what you kind of must do. You know, they, they, I, I think there's a train of thought somewhere in here that you. They 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 couldn't structure the movie exactly as Miss Forty Five, and so they had to include some some kind of reasoning, some kind of opening and closure, as you described uh, for the movie, some kind of explanation, uh, and the police need to be shown as you know getting her, you know catching her. Uh, maybe there's a train of forty. I I didn't mind it at all. I mean there's uh, that that female cop is uh, is. Uh, a bit of a kick-ass cop, and uh, even, uh, even you know, the nun imagery, which is so prominent in Miss 45, turns up in Girl with a Gun, but earlier, during the kind of a stakeout sequence, yeah. where that female cop is dressed up as a nun and catches a robber.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't sure if she was just on mugger detail or on rapist detail. <laughs> do, 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 do nuns tend to get raped in Hong Kong, I don't know.
0: And, and yeah. you never know if Richard became so self-aware, like, I can't dress her up as a nun at the end of the movie, but I'm going to put it here instead.
1: <laughs> well, well, to his credit, I mean, she's dressed all in white, uh, which is the Chinese imagery of death. So it's it's sort of uh, the, the flip side of Ms. 45. Mm. So I, I thought that was a nice touch.
0: Mm. Yeah, and we're talking, of course, of uh, the, uh, the ending party scene, which turns up in this movie as well. But uh, uh, we'll get to that in a li- uh, little bit. Uh, I mean, it's all it's talking like psychological the psychological portrait here, if you will. I was wondering what you thought about. that. Uh, it's not a detailed one, of course, but you. But, but I'm, I always say when looking at some, some of these movies that you, you can't map out the human psyche. So you can't say what's logical or not logical in terms of her the, the actions that she does take, you know, the uh, murderous actions that she does take, and I I think it's strong enough here. It's uh, I the way the way she snaps and the way she becomes calculating and and, and a good planner, if you will. It's, uh that still is a focus part of the movie that I think matches well with Miss Forty Five. So uh, even though it's a beat by beat copy, yeah, but still it's it, it's still. It still works and the violence is still effective uh cold and callous and uh, in this case loud very loud and quick
1: yeah to richard chen's credit he does a nice variation on uh one scene there's a famous scene in miss 45 where zoe is intentionally going out trying to get mugged so she can kill the muggers and they encircle her and she shoots them all that that scene starts that way in this film but um like she's being stalked by a street gang and then all of a sudden another street gang shows up so we get to have an action scene yeah I don't know if that was uh, just him trying to be different or just trying to incorporate more action into the film. But it it, it, uh, took me by surprise, so I thought that was uh, nicely done. And I I laughed over the fact uh, to emphasize that it's Hong Kong. One of the gangs has a white guy in it. (laughs) She's she's there for no reason other than just to have a white guy. But, uh, yeah, I liked that scene. It was well staged.
0: But but do you still feel it's, uh, you know, based on what's presented in the movie? I mean, it's not uh, illogical the way way she starts... uh killing man and uh, hunting man. it's uh, I mean it's still uh, do you still feel it do you feel it's effective that's a spiral if you will that downward spiral
1: well I guess maybe because we have the, uh, the book ending scenes talking about the fact that she's gone through this great stress and maybe already on the edge um, from a logical standpoint it, if you want to look at it that way it, it might be more believable that she would go over the edge rather than um, the fact that we don't know anything about uh, Zoe's character in Ms. 45 and then she just snaps um i wasn't i wasn't bothered by that in ferrara's film and i'm i'm not really bothered by it here i think mm. e- either way i think it's fine
0: mm. she 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 has a wonderful uh, piece of um, acting beat the Ying Xiu, uh whenever she smiles you know she you know that she has triggered that evil aspect in her you know for instance when uh, Wahlund's character, who was the uh, rapist in uh, Lady Avenger, aka Deadly Darling, he plays the photographer that mm-hmm. ta- takes her up to the studio, and then he gets shot. That, which is the same scene as in Miss Forty Five, you, you can see that beat from her when she uh, agrees to be taken up into the studio. She smiles a little bit, and uh, I thought it was so kind of chilling, like she she now she knows what she's doing. It's not random here. She knows like this is gonna happen, <laughs> and I'm gonna and I'm gonna like it too. Uh, which was a nice little beat
1: I did want to bring up one thing um and this, this is okay just just amuses me um were you a little disappointed by the climax uh because in in the american film um her uh, manager at the uh, textile place where she works, uh, he's the first person that she kills at the party, mm-hmm. but Alan Tam plays the equivalent character in the Taiwan film, and he doesn't get killed. <laughs> Were you hoping he'd get blown away?
0: Nope: Yeah I was not hoping that here's the thing, and I've said this too before. Alan Tam in this Taiwanese phase of his career uh, I don't mind him at all. He doesn't suck the air out of movies uh, at all. When uh, and it's the same with exposed to danger. You know, uh, he he was in better movies over in Taiwan. Well, he, he, I don't know w- what it was when he became more of a Hong Kong actor. Uh, I I don't know why I feel he's annoying, uh, but uh, in Taiwan movies, I I like him. He's, he 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 doesn't make much of a dent in this movie. Obviously, he's, uh b- but uh, that means he's also he's sufficient. He's not as sleazy as the character in the Miss Wood Five. No, uh, but uh, it would have been great though, to have that equivalent <laughs> that scene, knowing uh, in this Taiwanese version, knowing what I know of Alan Tam and uh, and what I think of Alan Tam, that would would have been so great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> is there more of this sleazy Alan Tam side in Taiwanese cinema? Probably isn't, but uh...
1: well, in the American film, the guy, the character, at least early on, is is basically coded as being gay, but he it turns out that he's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's no question of Alan Tam's sexuality in the uh, Taiwan film, of course. Mm-hmm
0: more of a kind presence here just a uh, more of a sympathetic presence um, yeah you know uh, she obviously gets distracted at work you know, when, uh, when she needs to be on top of a game and that uh, designing company close, close designing company uh, so you, you know he's, uh, he's, he's more of a sympathetic character and uh, gives her, her opportunities to like better herself rather than firing her right away so uh, I mean it's a, it's, a, it's a nice little little character in, in that regard
1: one touch about the dubbing is they actually have to give her a voice in one scene because she writes a note in Chinese say, where she says I will try harder mm-hmm. and uh, they actually have to have someone read that line so she actually yeah. does have a voice very yeah. briefly
0: in yeah this. exactly and, and and I'm thinking that was mainly for the English dubbing uh, purposes right. so having said that I didn't check girl with a gun if they for some reason dubbed something in on the mandarin and cantonese tracks but i have a feeling that they didn't they merely just uh, subtitled it if the note wasn't uh, clear enough for for viewers
1: now speaking of the chinese version i wanted to ask you what the music is like in that in that cut any distinctive like did you recognize any cues in it or
0: uh no because i i'm terrible at that you're good at that but i know this for a fact that the uh, the music is different they do feature some uh, some songs with lyrics that are then translated in... I remember that from the Chinese version. Maybe they're repeating that, the song to coincide with the theme of the film, possibly. Uh, Fury in Red has... Uh, 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 they repeat some score every now and again. There's lots more of that in Exposed to Danger by the version. They repeat a piece of score over and over and over again. But I I, I heard something, but I can't fully uh, identify it. Uh, but, but I heard a... a either an ex- extract from a Cabaret Voltaire song or it's a sample from one of their songs um, in one scene in Fury in Red, which might have been from the Johnny Yesno soundtrack that they did, but uh, it was, because I've been listening to Cabaret Voltaire a whole lot recently, so my ears perked up, you know, hey, 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 what's this? <laughs> <laughs> Recognize this now, but, uh, so it's something that IFD had in their library lying around uh, some, uh, some sample, or one actual extract from, from a Cabaret Voltaire CD, so who knows?
1: Well, the boys at IFD love Tangerine Dream, and so do I. And uh, we've got music from Wavelength and Firestarter and Thief in this version. <laughs> and there's also music from Maniac, the uh, William Lustig uh, oh. slasher film, which ha- helps to emphasize that we're looking at a horror film. Mm-hmm. I think it, it's the usual crazy quilt of music that doesn't quite blend together, but still works pretty well.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I assume that uh, they... The deals that were made between the Taiwanese companies at RFD didn't include the soundtracks, you know, you know the soundtracks minus the Chinese dubbing. Uh, so they had to uh, create their own, steal their own, if you will. <laughs> or, or maybe they
1: just they gave them an audio track that was all mixed together. I mean, sometimes I've seen Cantonese versions of uh, Taiwan films where they, they, the original music cuts out. So they can dub in uh, Cantonese dialogue, and then cut. Turn comes back on. And it goes back out. It, they're obviously not working with separated audio elements, which is very distracting, <laughs> to mm-hmm. say the least.
0: But uh, okay, I want to get to the scene where that is not in Fort Five at all, and kind of the scene that makes this movie emotion if, uh, emotionally for me. I think it works very well. And uh, at one point, uh, Ying Shaw walks into a uh, uh, into a room with a group of um, deaf people. Uh, singing or sign, signing obviously he's got the whole world in his hands this very slow scene where she's witnesses this and kind of breaks down in the face of this and for for me it still actually works because here are people that do have faith obviously it's a, a, a kind of a religious gathering if you will not a cult <laughs> but a religious gathering and and i think she breaks down kind of realizes that she's so far gone you know that she has no connection to any positivity or faith anymore and uh, and and even you know so far gone that she follows the leader of this uh, that uh, leads the singing follows him and essentially almost shoots him but uh, at, the, at the end doesn't and i think this is a an effective scene for the theme of the movie that i i think fit it fit very well next to the theme that we knew already from Miss Forty Five.
1: It's it's a nice scene and it's well played, um, but it sort of just uh, comes out of nowhere. And as soon as it's over, she just goes right back to the same way she was before. So it didn't it it, it just seemed a little superfluous mm. in the end for me.
0: I think that was for, for me that was that I felt was the point that she will snap back into this inevitable. Uh, you know she's on a down, downward spiral this is merely a brief 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 pit stop uh, but she can't stop it and that's why why she breaks down the way she does and and it's not a huge melodramatic grating breakdown either it's a pretty large one but not the one that where i was taken out of it so so i think it works as a kind of a pit stop on the way to 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 the various massacres that are still left for her to, to do in the movie this is Maybe mid movie, uh, around about two thirds into the movie, maybe.
1: Okay, that, that's so, a fair take.
0: Yeah, so uh, not saying I'm right though. So <laughs> I'm just feeling that it's uh, it, it was always a. It was always a memorable Im- image from the film. And speaking of the soundtrack, it might have been. So sa- uh, they might have had access to the original Chinese language soundtrack because I don't think IFD redubbed this. Uh, this singing because the the one who leads the singing still has a distinct Chinese accent. They are singing it in English.
1: Yes, yeah, so, he actually says instead of uh, a little bitty baby in his hands, he says a little bit of baby in his hands, <laughs> which is <laughs> unfortunate. But yeah, I think that was definitely lifted from yeah. the original track.
0: Yeah, it would have been it would have been really kind of offensive and a pain to try to approximate what was there. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, so, um, so so I'm, I'm glad that um, that moment got uh, got in there. And um, yeah, I, I mean, o- overall also there's still, in these kind of movies where you get callous val- violence akin to mad gunmen or mad gunwomen, you know, it's hard not to think of uh, recent events and events in the past. And I think the scene where I kind of got the most uncomfortable watching her just shoot, 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 was that... Uh, when she was in the midst of that uh, gang, uh, gang, gang battle, that gang action scene mm-hmm. uh, in the um, in the park, in the amusement park, where she, uh, Land has a similar, you know, effective scene where these three, four, you know, boom, 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 uh, beats are, are utilized, and uh, th- that made me the most uncomfortable because it was just senseless and callous and uh, not, um, f- you know, not fairly provoked. It was not self-defense. let's just say that I think uh, that that was the point where I was the most uncomfortable and obviously the slow motion in the in the end party scene that Richard Chen of course also (laughs) utilizes just like Abel Ferrara did effectively Miss 45 he also utilizes the slow motion when when Penny uh, when Penny uh, snaps uh, (laughs) once again you know it's uh, it it is eerie Uh, it doesn't go on for as long the sequence it's not uh, at all as bloody as uh, miss 45 and doesn't have the same conclusion either due to the fact that uh, this, I- this movie is played played out in flashback. We know she, I, I think we know from the beginning because they talk of her, and they're the, they, they are referring to the fact that she's a patient at the beginning. So therefore we know she, she lived through this.
1: Yeah. It's a shame the, uh, the Chinese film doesn't end as effectively as the American mm-hmm. one because the American film, um, Thanna, uh, Zoe's character, ends up being killed by another girl that she works with. And this is the one girl out of all of them who's been standing up to men all throughout mm-hmm. the film. Like if someone comes on to her, she just says, fuck off. Like she mm-hmm. just doesn't take anything from these people. And she ends up being the one who kills her. And uh, that prompts her to say, sister, as she's dying. The one oh, thing it's that, that she says. I never she heard
0: says. it because I, ha- I didn't have any subtitles on my version. so I, f- I never heard the word she says, the sole word she says. But uh, s- sister, that's kind of... It's kind of eerie.
1: Yeah. So, it, and unfortunately, in Chen's film, it just comes to a quick stop as the police arrive. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't have quite the same
0: power. Mm. But still, it's a, it's a, for 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 what it's worth, it's still effective. Slow motion, in this regard because the scene is, you know, you do get tense watching these kind of these these kind of scenes where mad gunmen are just randomly killing people because it it, it, it it's impossible not to think of. What we've unfortunately experienced uh, uh recently at the time of recording with the with the killings in Colorado, but just you know go, going all the way back to Columbine, you know you always get a bit on the edge and uh and uh, in that way, I'm also saying that Richard Chan's work is effective in that regard because it's not obviously glorifying anything uh, anything that's going on here absolutely not
1: no it seems like that definitely have more power in light of recent events mm-hmm. i mean you're, you're trapped in a room with somebody with a gun and of course in real life he had automatic weapons which makes it even more frightening mm-hmm. so yeah time has uh not hurt this film at all in that way
0: but um so obviously throughout the review we've heard it i'm 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 in favor of it i, I recommend it and uh, uh, but i do agree with you john that uh, it's not a you shouldn't double bill it with miss 45 and uh and um, if you've seen it, then it's not necessarily a must. But if you're interested in Taiwanese cinema and to see what they did during this time, if you're interested in the era, uh, this is one of the movies that uh, is definitely worth uh, looking at. Because uh, it's, it's in the middle of the social realism, if you will, and the various genre movies that came out. It's in the middle of this. And I do... It's the reason it's being brought up here is... Because I think it's uh, one that you should check out amidst uh, amidst these uh, movies from this era, the Taiwan black movies era, if you will. So that's my that's my summary before I go into the additional notes.
1: Yeah, I agree, absolutely. It should be seen.
0: And I wanted to mention uh, f- before we get to uh, uh, the the great additional note uh, again to reemphasize uh, on the um, uh, how IFD's version is um, superior to the Ocean Shore's version. Uh, if you, if you want to get into nitpicking, if you will, it's a little bit longer. Uh, you know, Ocean Shores VCD again, because it has the original language t- track, Mandarin and the Cantonese dub. It has different music, the original original picked music, if you will, but it's also missing brief pieces of violence, showing Penny sawing through the bones of her first victim. It's a shot that's missing, about two or three seconds. Uh, it's missing that despite... Or the Ocean Shores VCD, that is, despite it taking place in the introverted colours, that shot is still gone. And again, it's more of a master shot of her sitting on the floor and the body in front of her, if you will. It's not a close-up. Uh, IFD has actually cut a part of the lounge singing scene, which is the scene where that leads to her uh the gun jamming on her if you will or what, what happens and the guy gaily, puts the gun to his temple and shoots himself it's that scene in miss 45 this she meets this guy in a, in a in a bar in a lounge uh lounge bar if you will and uh it's uh that part is slightly cut but still we're dealing with nearly similar edits here it's merely seconds we're talking about that is different so if you have one of if you have here in red i think that's a perfectly decent representation of the film and the girl with a gun you, the vcd is still very watchable due to the fact that the subtitles have been formatted for the uh, for the full screen format even though it's missing every now and again but you still get the movie
1: so when ifd cut that scene were they shortening it do you think to remove music or did they remove dialogue
0: uh, possibly. I, I I didn't re-examine it again. I just took my notes from my review. But uh, it, it's it's merely like a shot or two. You do see... It's not like they cut to uh, him and her sitting outside. So you do get some of the scene.
1: Because there's a lot more context in Ms. 45. Like the guy's talking about a relationship that went wrong, and he's obviously drinking heavily. So when he does what he does later on, he's drunk and clearly not thinking... Yeah properly uh, you don't quite get that sense in the taiwan film it, it doesn't it doesn't uh, play out as well uh,
0: um, yeah and and we we're we merely talking like a few seconds that is missing here so it's not like they had a that they had substance here a few minutes here in the bar or what have you so it's uh i, I recognize that when i had them side by side hey this is not matching up what is not matching up and it seems like some shots were maybe placed in uh, at a different uh at a, at a different part in the scene, uh, but they, they, it's, it's a part of the lounge singing scene that is missing. But, uh, but they, you know, uh, IFD has the upper hand too when talking of the presentation that we watched, uh, which is, again, the English-dubbed Japanese VHS that has the widescreen of the film, which is all... Um, which is preferable, uh, even though you don't notice it as such on the VCD. I mean, it's not... We don't get characters off-screen talking to characters on-screen. It's not... Bad cropping in terms of that. Okay, and it's a very slow, still movie too. So um, you know, uh, therefore, even though it's cropped, we, we are bound to have characters still be <laughs> visible in the frame. You know, still in the frame. But uh, oh boy, uh, <clears throat> on IFT again, they they had Fury in Red. They had Girl with the Gun, renamed it Fury, Fury in Red. Uh, but they also had the Sense kind of, to reuse it. Uh, because why why buy something new when you can reuse what you already have? And uh, a few years later, they, they uh, retooled it into uh, into a Godfrey Ho-esque film, if you will, a cut-and-paste film. But but I'll let my my friend uh, Spanik uh, from Germany is, describe it better because he has seen this movie as it's only available in German and dubbed in German. And it's called Crackdown Mission, this cut-and-paste movie using <laughs> Girl with a Gun. It's a great title. It's a German VHS title. And it stars Pierre Kirby and the bad guy from founder of Gigantic Serpent, Edouard Bersmeyer. <laughs> yeah. It's a fantastic bad guy in founder in, uh, in of the Gigantic Serpent. And, but, but to quote my friend. So, we have a Taiwanese revenge movie. Itself a remake of Miss 45 take some crackhead at ifd who has no idea what to do with it so the crackhead gets the idea of hey why not do a super great plot with a satanist cult which makes girls go on a killing rampage and we can have Guaylas in action scenes and the violent scenes of the original movie and and then uh, the exchange goes to joseph Lai, who says okay
1: <laughs> That's probably as much time as Joseph Lies spent on any of his films.
0: That's what happened. We got a mix of newly shot footage with pierre Kirby and Edwan, and uh, mixed in with uh, Girl with a Gun. And uh, this is not usual for FT to come up with. They had insane ideas. This is one of their most out there ideas. It's past probably passed the majority of the ninja craze because it's in, made in 1988, I think, crackdown mission. Mm-hmm. So I think it kind of had started to fade out. otherwise we probably would have easily got the ninjas into this, you know ninjas fighting a, 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 a cult, you know a Satan cult. maybe that would have worked. but uh, here's the problem though. we have no full confirmation of the IFT title. Because the title "Crackdown Mission" on the German DVD, which is on, which is from a VHS, it's a newly done, very sloppily newly done uh, title card, which has uh, which has uh, traces of the American flag within the letters. Hmm. <laughs> uh, but if I were to have a theory, though, "Crackdown Mission" is part of the IFD title, but it might have been part of a series, like it might have been, let's say another american commando you know american commando 6 crackdown mission because it sounds so ifd ish that title you know right uh that's uh only a theory but so uh, i can't offer up anything because no one can find this movie in english uh, unfortunately as i said the dvd is only dubbed in uh, in german offers up no other options. so uh but i couldn't resist scanning through it because it it it, it sounded like a blast and it's uh and uh, looking at it, even though it's dubbed in German, it, it looks like a blast, too, because <laughs> you get, you get like, obviously the girl with the gun scenes, and then you get the Satan cult in a very cheap room, with very cheap Satan-ish symbols taped to their t-shirts. It's not printed on their t-shirts. They, no, 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 no money for that. Draw something yourself, and put it on cardboard <laughs> and put it on your t-shirt uh, uh, so and, and I, I just wish i could hear it in english because it, it must have been golden dialogue from edwan and uh, pierre kirby of course so.
1: if i sorry if i to interrupt for a second i have to ask i assume this was done in the standard ifd practice of shooting new halves of conversations like with actors like pierre kirby now how would you do this when the heroine of the film is mute <laughs>
0: I'll get to that. It's the most. Uh, it's a. It's kind of a failed experiment, actually, okay. because because on Pierre Kirby, by the way, who's one of the more willing participants, seemingly at IFD, Pierre Kirby could act a little bit. He uh, felt good looking. He knew a bit of action, and uh, always got some one liners or two in his movies, into his movies. You know, he, he was a pretty cool cat, Pierre Kirby. I liked him. And, and it looks like uh, a must see Pia Kobe performance once you can see it in English, that is. Because I, I'm sure this golden dialogue one line is from Pia Kobe. And, uh, and, and, and he gets some uh, fight scenes here as well. He gets a fight scene with Ridley Choi. And that was kind of fun. I always knew Ridley Choi, uh, I knew that he worked at IFT, behind the scenes, but I've never seen him on screen. And they have a fight scene uh, in that uh, kind of overpass that. Um, that you see in many movies, uh, that uh, tunnel that, uh, yeah, I think it's called Nova Pass, but regardless, you recognize that that, uh, Hong Kong setting. Uh, And, uh, (laughs) yeah, tradition at IFT is, of course, to try and connect the movies, and not just through editing, but uh, through having cast from IFT talk to the other movie, either via phone conversations, which happens here, uh, but they also try to place them in the same room. And here's where the movie kind of fails. <laughs> there is a scene, and I don't know the context of it, but Pierre Covey sits down and he, uh, to talk with Ying Xia's character. And it's the, the scene, in actual fact, is when she's called into Alan Tam's office. And she, he's asking her, you know, you got to be better, you got to be better. And she she writes the note. Okay, so it's that scene. Because uh, she's uh, she has a wall, white wall behind her. Piacobi has a white wall behind him, so he sits, sits down, and asks questions.
1: <laughs> he asks her questions.
0: Yeah, but do you think there's any reply? No, she, she's mute. <laughs> uh, and it's a scene that doesn't doesn't seem to go anywhere. It's like he also two or three he asks her two or three questions. There's nothing from her, and then he leaves. <laughs> Essentially, like yeah, that wasn't such a good idea. She's mute. Okay, bye. <laughs> uh, th- that was hilarious because it. just a failed experiment in trying to connect the movies because she can't talk. It's not like she wrote notes to Pierre Kirby's character. It's, uh, she just stands there and he asks, she just stands there. He asks, she just stands there and then she leaves (laughs) scene over. (laughs) Okay. Not uh... not
1: cooperating at
0: all. (laughs) And, um, yeah, obviously, what happens, happens. Uh, we we have The last scene of her is when the cops uh, bust in uh, on the party. And then, obviously, uh, there's a gunplay and fight ending with uh, pierre Kirby and Edwin. Uh, shot in the new territories, as always, and uh, probably, anyway. And uh, the end. And it seems like a pretty solid IFD exercise, considering the contrasts in material here. Uh, which, again, makes it such a shame that... It's one of those Lost Dive D movies that uh, never seem to have appeared on Japanese VHS or Greek VHS. You, I don't know if you ever heard of it having a US or Canadian VHS release at any point.
1: No, it seems like by about 1988 or so, the American buyers, mostly uh, Transworld and Imperial Entertainment, sort of got wise to IFD and Filmark and stopped buying their movies. <laughs> so we, outside of we, we did get a few, like uh, Magnum Entertainment released uh, Robo Vampire and uh, the Thunder Ooh. Ninja Kids films, but uh, no, we didn't get this one, unfortunately.
0: So, uh, yeah, the, the hunt is on, I guess. Um, because, you know what, even though someone might go to the lengths of actually writing English subtitles for it, it's not good enough. Because you need to have the IFD English dub, especially since it's a Pierre Kirby movie. And you need to have the awkwardness of the hearing the dub and seeing the uh, less-than-charismatic uh, f- uh, third or fourth leads in the IFD footage. Because after Pierre and Edwin, it's it's the it's pretty anonymous you know the presences uh, that IFD uh, put into this movie if you will they're pretty anonymous and uh, yeah, I don't
1: know yeah, yeah. Peter Kirby is Steve McQueen compared to a lot of, a lot of the Guailos who turn up in these things
0: yeah but uh, it, lo- it looked like good fun and um, and I'm glad it was created and uh, I've seen bits of it now and it, it's, it, it's fun to have seen what I could see but uh, I, I want more <laughs> i want the full full taste uh, regardless if it's called crackdown mission partly or not but um, and uh, you know I, i'm saying it's maybe part of the american commander series i kind of doubt that because it seemed like the american commander series always had pierre kirby and um uh, one uh, one other leading guy that was um i'm blacking on his name now but it was the same two ifd stars in one two three or you know four of the american commander movies so um so, so I'm thinking this was not part of it, uh, part of that series. But uh, I'm, I'm still maintaining that my my theory is that it was called Crackdown Mission, and then something else, or something else before it. But uh, maybe we'll never know, and the, 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 um, the, the, that's that. So, uh, but, but it's out there in some shape or form. So um, that's uh, that's uh, that's nice to have at least.
1: Well, maybe you can buy the Swedish rights from uh, Joseph Lai and release it.
0: <laughs> I do think you know, Joseph Lai has this anymore, you know. You, you, can't, you can ask for stuff from Joseph Lai, but I, I pretty much know for a fact that they don't have everything lying around. I mean, you can ask for, especially not widescreen stuff over time. Yeah. So, um, that's that. The story of that uh, Crackdown mission maybe ends here, but uh, it was fun opening up a chapter for it for a little for a little bit. Yeah. Anyway. Hmm. Uh, alrighty. We are taking a short break, and the uh, next review is... Um, by uh, one of the women that we brought up in Taiwan War 3, and it's uh, Karen Yang's Exposed to Danger, a.k.a. Breakout from Oppression. And we'll explain why that, a.k.a. is uh, is there at all. So we'll be right back. come back and the second movie is Exposed to Danger made in either 1982 or 83, some sources say even 84, which we know is wrong actually, but uh, we'll get to that as well. And there's not a whole lot of discussion beforehand beforehand here because we went through what we knew of director Karen Yang Xiaoyun and lead Liu Xiaofan in episode 3 and even to an extent in episode 2. So I refer you back to that episode if you want to know more of Karen Yang and Liu Xiaofen, and we'll therefore continue to discuss this either 1982 made or 83 made movie. Hong Kong movie, de- movie database says 84 though, but, but as you pointed out, there there is an entry uh, that it uh, played um, in Canada in, in 1983.
1: Yeah, the uh, Ch- uh, Chinatown theaters in um, Toronto and uh, Winnipeg played it in mid 83. So. So uh, it's probably either '82 or early '83 that it came mm-hmm. out in Taiwan.
0: Yeah, IMDb says '82 as well. So, um, so it's part of that um, part of that explosion, if you will, that genre explosion, that social realism explosion. This is more of a a genre movie, a thriller horror, if you will, rather than uh, a social drama. So, and uh, it's again a, a Taiwanese movie i picked up in a in that package deal. What I again assume is a package deal. I don't f- think they picked one at a time necessarily, but uh, again, what a package deal that they, they acquired. You know, uh, tons of key movies that, um, for us anyway, who, who, li- who like this era. And uh, it was presented intact, uh, save for a few minor trims of Lu Xiaofan walking in the, in the beginning after of getting off the ship. She interacts with some kids. They cut that stuff out. No one needed that. It was good editing, <laughs> you know. And uh, they retitled it too, Breakout from Oppression which is also the name of uh, a Gordon Liu movie from sometime in the 70s, I believe. Yeah,
1: I hope hope the title has more relevance to that film than it does to this one. (laughs) Um,
0: And again, we watched this. um, We have available, too, as the Ocean Shores version called Exposed to Danger, which is full screen and subtitled. But we watched the English-dubbed IFD-presented version on Greek VHS, uh, presented in widescreen in 185, cropped from 235, but the cropping is not... uh, it's not that uh, noticeable. I, I even thought that it actually was the original aspect ratio, uh, aspect ratio 1.85. But uh, as you inform me, John, uh, there are telltale signs of um, this being cropped, but uh, not uh, not severely so.
1: Yeah, it's, it's still a lot better than the American release through uh, Mill Creek, which is, I think it's more... Basically, they just give you the middle of the screen, as I remember. So uh, this is a better way to see it.
0: Yeah, these Asian movies, uh, these Hong Kong and Taiwanese movies, they never really, rarely got the pan and scan treatment where they tried to, like, you know, do the artificial pans and place the frame in a more sensible way. You know, it was center frame more often than not, which is... Uh, you know, if you're, in a, if you're in that kind of mood, that's funny as shit when there's no one in the frame. <laughs> I remember watching this, uh, this now kind of infamous cult, uh, cult movie that Jackie Chan made called uh, Police Woman uh, where he has some giant mole on his face where he plays the bad guy. Mm. Incredibly boring movie. Uh, I saw a full-screen version of that and there's tons of shots where there's small, small signs of hands in the frame maybe a face or two but we're simply looking at nothing which is <laughs> like you know you can amuse yourself well, you know when the movie isn't amusing you can be amused at the uh, incredibly dumb framing you know no one is attempting to place anyone in the framing you know, so
1: yeah i don't remember the film but i saw one where all all you could see were two noses on each side of the screen <laughs> talking to each other so strange.
0: But there are good movies that actually suffer from this. I saw when Taekwondo Strikes recently for the first time in widescreen. Uh, I remember watching that cropped uh, once upon a time. And I, I thought it was so goddamn unappealing in the case of that one. There was nothing there was it seemed more severe than usual. And you realize when watching when Taekwondo Strikes, and I'm sure it's true for many Golden Harvest movies and uh, Huang Feng directed movies, but they, they placed a lot of key things at the end of the frame, in that one, and uh, no wonder it felt like I lost more percentage-wise than than usual when watching that once upon a time. Now it was a way better movie.
1: Yeah, we we got it that way here too. Embassy Home Entertainment released it pan and scanned and it was a World Northall TV print too. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, not a good deal.
0: The trailer for When Taekwondo Strikes was genius. Though I saw the US trailer that is on one of those uh, something weird video trailer compilations. Uh, they 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 did a, they did a wonderful uh, trailer for it. Um, yeah. uh, under its original title, though, it was not Sting of the Dragon Master or Dragon Masters, but uh, they, they had a wonderful um, trailer man, you know, really selling it well. You know, Anti Mao, the deadly China doll, and uh, that's uh, all of that stuff. So, uh, And I remember one of the, I know we're not discussing Exposed to Danger right now, but uh, uh, just going to mention <laughs> they, <laughs> they, when they introed uh, John Re or June ri the Korean uh, Taekwondo expert. It said on the screen in the US trailer, plus, plus, plus. <laughs> <laughs> not plus, not introducing, but plus, plus, plus. <laughs> no, extra plus. <laughs> we got a Taekwondo master here. So, uh, whatever. Uh, okay, exposed to danger, aka breakout from oppression plot from my review of the film. After having served a 12-year sentence for murder, Fonda Chao, played by Liu Xiaofen. and Remember, by the way, she was always named Fonda Lin at IFD, so they didn't uh, put forth any creative uh, creativity there. She's Fonda in the movie as well, but Fonda Chow. Uh, she's offered a position when she gets out as an assistant editor at a newspaper, and the eyebrows are definitely raised uh, that she gets such a meaningful position. All of a sudden, you know, both in the male staff, primarily Alan Tam's Simon, Alan Tam with a wicked moustache.
1: <laughs> the perm isn't too complimentary.
0: <laughs> but I don't mind him. think I, you know, he's in a he's in a, a good movie compared well, it, to his Hong it, Kong it, stuff.
1: It's too bad that you don't hate him in this film because he gets put through the ringer in this movie
0: maybe subconsciously i kind of like that you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're finally getting it alan as i've always wanted <laughs> but anyway uh, uh also the jealous female staff and i uh, start to develop this hatred towards fonda this uh, favoritism some develop more hatred than others some are even possessing hatred with a mortal twist and fonda's rehabilitation into society starts going backwards as she's, as she's essentially terrorized. So that's the plot, and uh, your brief view of the film first, John.
1: Well, it's funny. I mean, a lot of uh, actresses in Hong Kong and Taiwanese cinema who, are, uh, for example, come from a, a beauty contest uh, background, they basically have flower vase roles. But I, I, Lu Xiaofan, I don't know what she got paid for these movies, but she did not have flower vase roles, but she gets treated horribly in these films (laughs) just in this movie um just in the opening scene she's getting smacked around getting hosed down i mean she really gets put through the ringer. not as bad as alan tam does but uh she's not standing around looking beautiful all the time this is it's a very physical role and that's good i mean it gives her a chance to act and really um get get your sympathy (laughs) because she really gets put through some terrible things in this picture Mm -hmm. I did have to laugh. Um, The the, uh, female characters in this film, uh, apart from uh, Fonda, uh, the the IFD dubbing is really shrill. I mean, these characters were shrill to begin with, but on the one hand, I can't help this one, the older woman, I can't help feel bad for her because um, in Fonda's first scene where she comes in, uh, she's talking to Alan Tam and she says, oh, I've got a letter here. I'm I'm supposed to be assistant editor. (laughs) He says to her, do you have any newspaper experience? No, <laughs> so I, I can't mm-hmm. believe this Liz woman for being mad and, and hating her immediately. Never mind that she's young and beautiful, but yeah, there, feel-
0: there, there is kind of an explanation for all of this uh, when all is said and done. But it's uh, it's easy to miss as well.
1: Yeah, but I mean the dubbing—it's—it's it's, it's a fine line because um, act, acting in these films can often seem melodramatic by Western standards. So you, you want to try and match the same pitch that the person on screen is giving, but it can really get to be a bit too much. Mm. And it, it, it,
0: still, if they put seem to be, be, for for these intact movies, if they were serious movies, they were trying a little bit, or naturally, these dubs didn't come off come off as. Goofy as the cut and paste stuff, uh, because uh, I, they aren't, they aren't like titra dubs for all the old Godzilla movies. These professional dubs, they aren't that, but they, they are definitely bearable and they're s- and better than average. Uh,
1: yeah, in- definitely better than their kung fu films, and I'll get to that with my uh, last movies watched uh, choice this week. <laughs> There's <laughs> some pretty spectacular dubbing in that one.
0: But 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 overall, uh, how do you? What do you think of this? Do you do you think it works overall as a as a um, as a kind of a horror movie, romance movie, thriller movie, revenge movie, all in one?
1: Yeah, it's not bad. It, it's um, I think it gets better as it goes. Uh, yes. The more the more horror ele- horror <clears> elements that are entered into it, the more Karen Yang has a chance to really uh, show her stuff as a director. And I know these films were made very quickly, so I think she deserves praise for the atmosphere that she was able to generate in the second half. Mm.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, it's pretty much my view of the film as well. That there there, there is basic setup not a lot of setup but it it takes a little while and but when when uh she starts to get that uh, push for that audience reaction from suspense and violent aftermaths and uh, even in some cases full on gore acts you know there there is some there is a decent suspense thriller a little bit of horror movie worked into it as well
1: yeah, I mean, she's following the slasher template. But it, it, there is a, actually a knife attack scene in the second last reel, maybe, that is, is quite well staged. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's surprising. It's, it's unpleasant. Uh, it's, it's one of the best uh, portions of the film, I think, even though it doesn't go on very long.
0: But uh, we've got to start at the top because uh, n- now you remember we discussed last time, uh, there's footage from Lady Avenger uh, incorporated right. into this movie. You know, right. And uh, you view us that if they saw it in that order. Uh, deadly darling, or Lady Avenger, and then this—like, hey, is this a sequel? Was she let <laughs> out after twelve years After murdering so many people? It's not, but they use that that very tail end of Lady Avenger when she's led into prison uh, after after committing all those murders and presumably getting a life sentence. They—it's it, very smoothly integrated. You know what I mean? You don't notice as you know the change in film stock or all of that. You know, it leads into she's led into a prison cell and then we get a scene in a prison cell. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. I mean so I mean it, it, it works I mean uh, and uh, and the, 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 there is some unpleasant moments here you knows so those she thinks back to those uh, she uh, at one point she someone has put a razor or a knife blade in soap and you see that cut away to a cheesy cheesy arm but you you see that cut away to an arm being sliced Open as the soap is uh, run across it, you know uh, that's effective stuff, you know, and we get that quickly, you know, so we know that Karen Yang is not going to you know be mild about uh, about her ways here,
1: yeah, maybe it's a personal thing for me, but the accidentally mutilating yourself, I find that more disturbing than somebody just attacking me with a yes and you just you know, grad, you're just g- cleaning yourself and uh, and accidentally slashing your arm open, I find that very disturbing. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, it's 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 more close to you than than uh, even though it's fiction. I, I agree on that. Uh, but but you know, despite it taking a while, this movie to get going, we are into it very quick. You know, there is efficiency here, and 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 obviously, no one is trying to make a grand grand statement about anything here. It's a bio cult movie genre movie at work here, and you know, as I said wrench, a little bit of slasher, a little bit of romance. I would say a little bit of forced romance, because Alan Tam forces himself onto <laughs> Lucia Fen. you know. There's <laughs> you know, like 15 very uncomfortable seconds where he's resisting resisting uh, his kiss. Resisting, mm-hmm. resisting, resisting, and then giving in to the mustache, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> There's
1: no saying no to the Tam. Uh, so,
0: I mean, um, but, 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 but overall, I mean, uh, Alan Tam and the side characters, they are not uh, you know, a waste of time or anything, but it, it, it is really Liu Xiaofan's movie because you, you do feel that treatment that she gets through the movie, that bad luck, that all of those staged accidents and people being quite unnecessarily harsh you, you know, it's not earned this, it's someone who, who's actually in all seriousness trying to re- re- rehabilitate and uh, it, it's not—it's uh, kind of heartbreaking when, when she's uh, Trying to take one step forward, but is pushed back. So, um, so, so I take away a little bit of drama, and I think it's you know very much mostly down to her, you know, and th- that director-actor relationship probably being a fairly good one, uh, considering that we have gotten I- iconic imagery out of at least two movies uh, with uh, this director at the helm and this star.
1: I wish Karen Yang in the, the documentary, uh, Taiwan Black Movies, had talked about uh, Lu Xiaofan as an actress, like what their relationship was and uh, just how she was as a performer. Was she really into it or did she have to be really talked into doing these scenes? I'd, I'd love to have learned more.
0: Yeah, she seems game, uh, even though she might not, as you, as you alluded to, uh, m- m- be game. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, 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 you know, the proof is in the cinema. Yep. You know, and uh, and there there's multiple movies where this uh, willingness to throw herself into a role, even in on the society file of Shanghai, it, there's uh, th- there's a dedication here b- by the actors, rather than uh, us picking up on someone exploiting the actors. You know what I mean? Uh, so it's uh, you don't feel uncomfortable that way. But but who, but who knows? You know, <laughs> it might some, it might have been abuse behind the scenes <laughs> some kind of abuse but, uh, but but what do you think uh when we get uh because the reveal of who is behind all this is not taking place at the end it takes place around about maybe mid flick maybe earlier and uh you know so, so therefore i have no problem saying it's the this 70 year old secretary at the newspaper i think that was a position there played by uh, jung Fu fo Mei, the young girl uh, you know, we, we we get to we we get this kind of uncomfortable sequences of her, you know, uh, abusing her grandma and grandfather in the house, uh, her crippled elders. So, so what do you think when we get more evidence of that uh, that interplay going on?
1: Well, it's actually just the grandmother. The guy in the uh, the basement is the the owner of the newspaper who is disappeared Ah, that was it. Yeah. Yeah, it's not clear why she would kidnap him because, she, I mean, she's got the hots for Alan Tam and she wants him, so I'm not sure how this poor guy had anything to do with it, but he somehow ends up in the basement and suffers a pretty horrible fate. But uh, It's interesting seeing how this film compares to Western slasher movies. I mean, one of the horriest things about horror films is, in at least in Western culture, is they have a cat scare. Somebody yes. will be in a tense moment and a cat will just jump out and scare them. Uh, this movie has a monkey scare Which yes. I don't think I'd seen before There's a monkey A <laughs> monkey who turns out to be her pet Just staring out the window at her And unfortunately the monkey ends up Having the same uh, function and fate That cats almost invariably do in horror films
0: It's on uh, one of the VHS releases uh, The Fate of the Monkey If you go to IMDB uh, I think it's the Tai Seng video version You can see it's uh, literally a still From from when she discovers the monkey Oh really? In, uh, later on in the film Okay. Spoiler! <laughs>
1: Um, this is the first film I've seen. I've seen lots of films where people cut the brake lines on cars, but this is the first time I'd seen anybody cut the brake line on a bike. Yes, <laughs> it doesn't quite have the same suspense because she could—I know she was going fairly fast, but she could have jumped off, not suffered too much damage. Uh, certainly less damage than she ended up doing when she went over that wall.
0: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's about. These sections isn't where the movie's at. It's snappiest, but I, I think when it kind of turns is obviously when we get those uh, scenes as I talked about with uh, her. Wheelchair-bound grandma, and you hear the uh, the shouting down in the basement. And I think it is a slight scene where Lucia then looks into the basement. You can actually see someone in there, but she gets distracted by Cheng uh, Fu Mei. So it's uh, one of those almost reveals of what goes on in the basement. But but the, what I'm getting at is the point where the movie starts to get a bit of a flow and where it starts, you know, increasing its gear, if you will, is at this. Um, this uh, festival this marketplace where where the newspapers uh, apparently stand where they where they've uh, baked stuff you know fried stuff uh, for people to eat and someone has spiked well we know it's chung fo may has spiked these uh, these uh, fried uh, whatever uh, with glass and uh, that uh, shrill uh, new, uh, newspaper lady that elder lady uh, has a son uh, Eating one of those, and we see blood just pouring out of his mouth. You know, in a really like ooh, because you you know something is in there. You know, and you find out it's glass. Uh, I think at that from that point, the movie finds a flow. You know, it's yeah. a, a pretty non-stop too.
1: It is a disturbing scene. I don't know if they were inspired by Halloween Two. Um, you don't actually see it happen, but a child in Halloween Two bites into an apple that had a razor blade in it. So you mm. see his, his understandably distressed mother taking him to the hospital, and he's got mm. a lot of blood pouring out of his mouth. Yeah, I mean, violence against children, no matter how many Asian films I've seen it, I always find it disturbing just cause, mm. uh, that, because because of my cultural upbringing, I guess. Um, I don't hold that against the movies. But, no, uh, and,
0: and, and, and this is obviously just just to reassure your listeners that this is all simple effect. You know, obviously the kid bite, bite, bites down on a blood pack, and, but, but the flow of blood out of his mouth is quite effective because it comes out not from several places around his mouth but there is like one stream almost you know one thick stream which is all the more effective because then you can almost think like it's a huge wound in his mouth you know
1: yeah (laughs) so so so
0: we we don't get any the dentist-ish cutaways to inside the mouth (laughs) or anything like that no
1: thankfully
0: but 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 there are cinematic pushes here that I find appealing, and uh, and uh, they continue all throughout the movie, and uh, it's it's really effective. It, it doesn't signal that it is a horror movie necessarily in the early stages, but you know almost the last third of it is uh, is is your slasher movie, and uh, as you uh, alluded to, there is some effective uh, violence um, and uh, grim, gooey and disgusting aftermaths of stuff as well, and uh, and, and I guess I. I I I'm going to guess one thing here. The the monkey scare, you maybe thought like ah oh, that's cute, but the scare when you get a corpse falling into frame into Alan Tam's lap that is filled with corpses. Uh the corpse uh, or uh, corpses fucking up. Ma- filled with maggots. maggots yeah. Yes. That's a rather effective little uh... Yeah,
1: it's like something out of a Fulci movie.
0: Mm-hmm. So uh that's um that's, uh, that would have been a moment where I would be uh, waving flags and rooting. You know? <laughs> Alan Tam is he's having a cough in his lap, and he doesn't like it. Yay! But I didn't. Uh,
1: uh, it's funny. I, I mean, Tam is the editor of the paper, but he seems to have more importance than the actual owner of the paper. Who Everybody ta- mentions that this guy's disappeared for over a month now, and nobody really did say, well, he's at the head office. But nobody checks with the head office or calls the police. But when Alan Tam disappears, uh, they find his burned-out car, and he's immediately declared dead, and they have a
0: funeral. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs>
1: that, was, that was very fast. I guess you can do that. Was this film set in Taiwan or Hong Kong? Did they actually say it?
0: Uh, not too sure. I mean, she gets into a uh, VI boat at the beginning, so pff, who knows? Maybe in Mac- no, not in Macau, but uh, I don't know. I, I don't think it was specifically mentioned, though. But uh, then again, they don't make they don't shoot any uh, as i said earlier in the podcast there any landmarks that would give give away taiwan necessarily i mean it's um it's not it's both set kind of in the city but also in the countryside so uh half definitely most in the countryside and in uh, sparse locations if you will outside locations so and and in darkness so so you got that going for you uh so 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 overall i mean even though it might echo slasher movies this is not a copy of a slasher movie all throughout only one moment is, and and, unless i'm forgetting a lot of classic slasher movie moments that this movie copies as a matter of fact or or, or well it
1: it, it, it has tropes i mean the the one the one uh, victim who dies of the knife attack that we we talked about earlier he is found hanging on rope in one scene as a shock moment and uh the the girl is, is she's such so waif-like and and tiny i don't think she could have tied this guy up hold him up to where he is and tied him off and why would she do that anyway but i mean that happens all the time in american slasher films
0: so
1: mm. don't worry too much yeah about that. yeah
0: yeah it's a psychopath and uh i guess strength comes, comes from that moving on you know okay
1: yeah i guess so <laughs> but yeah yeah, we need do need to talk about the ending
0: yeah so so go ahead uh, describe what um, you know i said at the beginning it's uh at the very beginning that this movie took a moment from a movie that uh, became one of the world's most known horror franchises so
1: yeah that would be the original Friday the 13th and the final battle between Lu Xiaofan and uh, the our psychotic villainess takes place on a beachfront uh, with a canoe nearby and a machete. And uh, if you remember how the, the Sean Cunningham film ends, this copies it virtually shot for shot. Yes. It, it, it doesn't have uh, Jason jumping out of the water at the end, crapping. No,
0: it's not that. Any, shot, but, but, she, but, he has voices, but, uh, but uh, not... Um uh it's not uh that storyline if you will so but but, but it's a pretty you know it's a pretty decently executed effect in all its simplicity you know because you see it it's not like they cut away from it and you see the head buried in the in the sand you know we see a decapitation on screen and it's a pretty solid one
1: it's interesting taiwan censors would allow that but not what is shown in
0: uh, girl with a gun maybe the social context for some reason in girl with a gun maybe I'm not saying censors are smart or or like uh, l- are looking at things Chuck. in the most proper context always, but but I'm thinking that movie being a lot more on the social commentary side, so maybe.
1: Yeah, we can't expect consistency from censors.
0: Mm. But uh, all in all, I, I I do like it. Once it gets going, it's but it's not it's not a slow ride getting there. But once it gets going, it's a pretty well made intense ride and probably made in a short span of time again um, uh, I, I, would, I would love for it to have the same story behind the scenes story as Lady Avenger had where it was one month from conception to finished print in the cinema essentially
1: <laughs> yeah if, it, if this was shot in the same time frame this has more locations uh, as I remember than Lady Avenger so uh, <laughs> you know, good, good on Karen Yang for the movie turning out as well as it did if mm-hmm. that was the case
0: uh, yeah so uh, that's it's it's um, it comes with uh, my approval uh, definitely and I uh, recommend it if you get into her filmography i think the, this uh, you know it, it's not a shame to look at her in the genre movies because we are we have already recommended a good movie in terms of her uh, dramatic acting on the society file of shanghai but we will get to the stuff when she won awards for her acting so it's I, I i like the different sides to her as a genre genre performer and an award-winning performer as well and they uh, run about this time she did want win an award for a 1983 movie that i'm blanking on the name now but uh, but uh, later on we'll definitely be looking at stuff like osman for sally uh, which was maybe not award-winning for her but it was multi-nominated it's uh, a late 80s taiwanese film and and boss nobles, of course. We gotta look at that. <laughs> Absolutely, it's just, it's just a fantastic, uh, touching movie, kind of. It's uh, no, no, I won't say anything else. It's uh, it, It's great that that uh, title actually. Corresponded to something in the movie because it might have been like too good to be true kind of thing, and then it turned out to be kind of true. And heartbreaking and dramatic. <laughs> That's strange. And, before, we wrap,
1: before we wrap up on this one, I just want to say that um, IFD rated their Tangerine Dream record collection again because we've got uh, Firestarter music and Thief music. And if you were a fan of Brian De Palma's Dress to Kill, you'll recognize some of uh, Pino D'Anagio's score from that one as well.
0: What was the score that was repeated the most? That kind of romantic uh, score that is used like five, six times throughout the movie? That very.
1: Yeah, I know the cue you were mentioning. I didn't recognize that one. Okay,
0: okay. They, they were they were a fan of that uh, when 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 we're making this English dub, you know. So, and it yeah, it, it, it works partly, but when it goes on repeat, you know, it kind of breaks up laziness. But maybe they didn't have too, it's, um, too much music laying around that day when making that uh, dub and shooting it out shooting it out into the world onto, onto Mill Creek Entertainment DVD. No. Well, well I'm, I'm
1: sure Homer Kwong was probably editing 20 movies at once so he couldn't <laughs> spend too much time on this thing
0: and and yeah uh, that also if you didn't uh, realize that uh, Karen Yang is again credited as director so they kept um, kind of the main casting crew Benny Ho I think yeah, Godfrey Ho's other alias admitted other admitted alias is uh, pr- probably story, story credits design, I think. yeah yeah, maybe that could you do anything <laughs> him and homer quon could probably do anything so he
1: can design productions after they're already shot
0: so yes Bravo. charles charles lee was the creditor director for crackdown mission by the way they, they, they've they used that alias a number of times too so good old charlie uh okay uh just three brief notes before we uh before we take another break uh they actually on the credits they actually credit uh, the producer of the original uh, which is a producer that turns up uh, uh many times uh and was interviewed in Taiwan Black Movies uh, Shang uh, Shang-Chi-Cheng uh, who is uh, like associate producer on this print so good on them for respecting that I think that was no accident I think they, uh, they uh, someone knew that uh, there was a producer on that throw him in there associate producer that's fine that's respectful so and um, again I gotta mention it was not cool of Alan Tam to kind of cheap and cheaply and aggressively you know woo uh <laughs> lucia fan i did not approve of that it was kind of too forceful for my taste so uh.
1: well, if someone was hitting on my wife i wouldn't appreciate it either
0: so uh, and uh walun Gu- okay. Ho- Ho- a character of uh, actor walun Ho- has now appeared in three movies that we've covered the, the rapist in lady avenger the photographer that gets killed in girl with a gun and he's uh, he's here he plays the um, the the backstory in the movie why she got imprisoned there. Um, uh, while she got imprisoned is she she was accused of the murder of him, um, but that's not quite uh, quite true. Uh, he is having an affair on his wife and uh, with uh, Lucia, so so Wilder is a bit of an ass, but not as much of a creeper in this one.
1: Yeah, but he's not not around long enough to hate
0: him too much. Exactly, but he, he has that kind of look where you know, no wonder they cast him in darker roles, if you will and and i mean gay actor and all of that i mean you build up effective hatred for him in lady avengers so there you go maybe not as deserved of uh, that um that uh, callous killing a girl with a gun but that's the that's the point obviously um all righty i have no other notes we are done this gets my approval this gets our approval really it's a solid uh, solid one and uh let's uh Let's wrap this up by looking at some random Taiwanese movies uh, that we watched recently. And uh, that'll be after a break, so see you after the break. I mean, no, I Okay, okay. welcome back, and uh, now we're at the tail end of uh, tonight's episode, and we we allow ourselves to relax a little bit, and it's uh, latest or last Taiwanese movies watched, where we uh, find some random Taiwanese movie, pure Taiwanese movie, co-production, or or it might be difficult to determine it's Taiwan, maybe we just feel like it's Taiwan, it has a Taiwanese feel, even though we might be incorrect, so it's, uh, it's still a relaxed segment, and I'll hand it over to John, too. Tell us, what's the latest on the Taiwanese movies watched rounds?
1: Well, since we've been sticking with IFD all show, I thought I'd uh, pick The Dragon the Hero, which is from the IFD days, but the early IFD days back when they were also asia and Thomas Tang was part of the evil triumvirate. Uh, yes. This, this <laughs> was directed by Godfrey Ho and it is an entire movie. <laughs> no Ooh. cut and paste. Um, I actually reviewed this on my uh, Hong Kong digital site uh, quite a few years back as Dragon on Fire which was the US Ooh. title. Copyright,
0: uh, copyright infringement. No, I'm just kidding. Well, <laughs> the podcast well, I on fire network.
1: IFD <laughs> actually has a movie called Dragon on Fire with Dragon Lee so it's nice and confusing that. Thank mm. you very much US distributor. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- this, uh, that was a TV print which was cut all to hell and it was cropped all to hell. So I was kind of curious to see the film again in a proper version. So I got the. Uh, what does
0: cut all to hell in this case mean? Censored or just shortened to incoherency?
1: Uh, censored. Okay, And you'll understand why when I describe what happens Um, So I got the Vengeance Video release uh, from the UK uh, Which is in scope and it has English and Mandarin tracks Mm. They had to to use a uh, Chinese theatrical Print so the subtitles are burned in so if you watch It with English you've got English dialogue And English subtitles which is a great Exercise in seeing just how much these things Get changed because the storyline and what's Being said rarely corresponds (laughs) Mm. The topic and the subtitles So that that's an extra layer of entertainment um, so uh, this actually stars uh, John Liu and Tino Wong So if you're a Secret Rivals fan You'll remember them um, They play practitioners of this great Mystical Kung Fu technique called the Strike Rock Fist Ooh. Which is uh, their fathers were, were experts of and they had a Long-going feud and once they died uh, Their sons picked up uh, this, uh, this Long-going uh, conflict between them um, Their paths eventually crossed because uh, this, uh, there are a series of martial arts contests being staged by uh, Chan Lao, who I'm sure you'll recognize from a lot of uh, vintage kung fu films. In this film, he plays a pasty-faced wheelchair-bound pervert who is in the wheelchair because he tried to wa- rape a woman one day, and her German shepherd attacked him and bit his dick off. <laughs> <laughs> and this, this scene has to be seen to be believed, because the dog chases him, and he's running through uh, this, the grass, and the dog bites on what I think is a carrot. It's this long, red thing, which bears no resemblance to a penis. Um, the dog bites it off. Um, something more closely resembling a penis drops on the ground that's also much smaller. But anyway, uh, this poor guy, his raping days are over. And uh, I remember Joe Bob Briggs reviewed the American version of this film, and he said, uh, trust me, if you were bitten down there like this guy, you'd want to be in a wheelchair too. <laughs> so he's not only you know, emasculated, he's also crazy. And he subsists on these potions made of bugs and snake venom, and I guess it's not really clear in the either the dubbing or the subtitles what this does to him, but eventually drives him crazy. But in the meantime, he amuses himself with these kung fu contests, and his uh, main fighter is Bolo Jung, who plays this decidedly ape-like guy who even has uh, hair on his feet. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he gets actually gets defeated pretty early on. And the whole purpose of these contests is that. Um, Chan's main right hand man played by Philip Ko is this martial arts master and he watches these contests and he learns the kung fu techniques these visitors uh, demonstrate and then he seeks them out and uses them against them Uh, so he's well on his way to being the ultimate martial arts master but of course uh, that's not going to work out because he's going to run into John Liu and Tino Wong at some point and they are going to patch up their differences and work together to uh, take him on now that's a pretty standard plot but we've also got Dragon Lee in this thing now, I don't know the timeline on this. I don't know if um, uh, Asoasia was distributing Dragon Lee's Korean films in uh, Chinese territories at this point, or if they thought uh, they'd use this as a way to introduce him to Chinese audiences. Mm-hmm. But his character is, is pretty superfluous. It's, he's definitely not uh, added in after the fact, because he does interact with all of the main characters. But he's not really needed, per se. I guess it's a good supporting role. It gives him a lot to do, and it gives him lots of chances to do bruce which he does in a very cartoonish fashion.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Which is I always find entertaining.
0: I, I... He's he's, he, he's one of the more exaggerated ones, making it kind of annoying but kind of brilliant at the same time. And uh, he certainly was no slouch or anything. I mean, was, uh, he, he knew his martial arts and the you know you know muscular guy and all of that, but it was kind of it was kind of ridiculous too. You
1: know, yeah, he, he was too muscular. He was like Bruce Lee inflated. <laughs> just, like, very odd. But, uh, I mean, if Bruce Lee was the best Bruce Lee Im- imitator, I think Dragon Lee was probably the most entertaining.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, he, anyway, he pops up intermittently to help out, uh, but he's really not necessary to the film at all. Uh, there, speaking of not necessary, there's an old master character in the usual drunken master style who helps Tino Wong learn these new techniques, and uh, just to show how it eccentric this guy is he loves to smoke and he, once he's smoking eight cigarettes at once <laughs> so i guess tar and nicotine enhance your kung fu in ways i was not aware of <laughs> but uh, the fights are good uh they go on a, a pretty long time there's lots of, there's good choreography and uh lots of movements in in the frame in each shot which it really helps to see this film in scope because the cropping on the old version really messed up a lot of the martial arts um I did like the climax. It's got uh, Philip Ko and Chan Lau taking our heroes. Chan Lau by this point is completely insane and he's got rabies and he's acting like a dog (laughs) and we get close-ups of him panting, (laughs) just to emphasize that.
0: uh, By the way, I've seen him in a number of movies I don't remember if he knows martial arts or not so so does he, as a matter of fact.
1: Um, He just does some basic moves. I don't think he's really a martial Uh, artist. uh. But uh, he's a good villain. Uh, You'd recognize him if you saw him. I'm trying to think where I would have
0: seen him. Uh-huh. I, I, I mean, I, I've, see, I, I've seen him in tons of stuff. Uh, the only thing, I, I think I remember him, in B- he was in a Category 3 movie called One Foot Lover, played a cop, but he's, uh, you know, obviously l- l- looking at his uh, images on Hong Kong Movie Database, you know he's been in period Martial Arts movies. He even has, he, there's even images of him with that uh, red nose, so you'll know exactly what his character is, so you know, right. <laughs> with the freckles and the red nose and all of that. So kind of, you know... P- not as annoying. I don't remember him as being as annoying as a Dean Sheck uh, character could be, you know. Uh, but uh, you'll, you'll definitely. He, he has a distinctive face, so even though Chan Lao might not be a, a name in the fan community where everybody goes, ah, that guy. Rather, when you see that face, ah. From be, somewhere
1: <laughs> he's, he's also directed some uh, category 3 films too apparently uh, erotic passion false lady I'm sure Jared's seen those films. yeah
0: yeah, one foot lover is, uh, he plays, uh, it's, a, it's a straight role you know that phase though could lend itself to you know uh, being you know uh, an edgy cop if you will so, you know it's not a stretch for him to play a little, a little bit more edgy as well So and insane as, as in this movie <laughs>
1: <laughs> so um, oh great use of stolen music in this uh, lots of music from the big gun down classic spaghetti western <laughs> proving once again that spaghetti western music works perfectly in kung fu films plus we've also got dawn of the dead tangerine dream score for sorcerer and star wars <laughs> which is always <laughs> and, and, and again
0: the most obvious cues from lots of these movies yeah
1: yeah pretty much pretty much you don't have to be an expert to pick these out um, it, it, it's
0: kind of it, it's kind of fun though it, w- w- when talking of uh in rather looking at the Godfrey Hoff filmography, it's it's kind of misleading. This might be the case where it's one of the old school martial arts movies that he did direct. There are of course examples, maybe not at Assoasia but rather maybe the early days of ID there are examples of the, him getting credits where or on complete Korean movies that he didn't direct you know Secret Ninja Roaring Tiger I believe is one such mm-hmm. uh, where he gets the credit but it's um, where, but it's another director who did that in, in Korea so but but you we don't fully know what movies he worked you know fully on this might very much be uh, the case where where he actually directed the whole thing uh, because maybe if you sensed it was more Korean then you would have thought like ah it's probably just a case of him getting the credit and then um, them changing it for international distribution so
1: yeah i'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he directed this mm. the The korean films are actually i don't know if you've seen any any of those uh, incredible shaolin thunder kick and all those other ones they have a very distinctive look and uh, they they all seem to be shot the same small area but this one stone wall that turns up in all these films and mm. they i love very, these
0: elton Chong eagle hanging movies i've seen a few of those so. right
1: right yeah they have a they cost very gaudy costumes uh, they, they have a pretty distinctive look and this this looks more like a typical taiwanese uh, kung fu
0: film mm. yeah and and i mean it's true also that joseph Lai and thomas Tang did act- did actual movies <laughs> believe it or not uh, <laughs> yes, th- i mean there's that uh, carter wong movie the magnificent uh casanova wong is in this as well that that was um, not a godfrey ho directed movie but it was a joseph Lai thomas Tang production and uh, if i remember correctly a friend of mine told that the magnificent was used later at ifd uh as a cut and paste vehicle Despite that being a period movie, they inserted modern guaylo characters into it. Really? Oh, wow! Well. They weren't even trying by that point. <laughs> exactly. Just do it, crackhead. Yes. <laughs> give me, give me, give me a job, boss. Okay, take this. All righty. Uh, so uh, you know they had it. They had the. They had the material. It's good economics in a way. You know, you don't need to acquire new stuff every time you want to do something new. So.
1: Well, I just hope that the the buyers don't realize they're buying the same films over and over.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I think uh, uh, I think they might have because many of these, um, especially these old school movies, uh, whether that's Oasia or IFT, have been renamed to hell and Back, I think, yeah. um, you know, there, there's a series. If you go to IFT's website, I think there's a series called Dragoner. or like your 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 movies, I'm willing to bet some of those were something else Dragon at one point. uh, And even according to Hong Kong Movie Database, the IFD title for this one, The Dragon, The Hero, is Dragon, The Great. (laughs) So it went from hero to great, not much belief in the product anymore. Uh, What's the uh, uh, on-screen title? Is it The Dragon, The Hero?
1: Yeah, this is a Chinese cinema print, so it is right. the dragon, the hero. Yeah,
0: Because it says a video, uh, the Video Asia DVD, though, uh, uh, because they, they, this was Vengeance, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, Vengeance video. Yeah, yeah the, uh, U- the
0: Video Asia DVD is apparently called Muscle of the Dragon. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, the U.S. poster is a giant drawing of Dragon Lee. I mean, he's the whole center of the, uh, the campaign in the States, but he does, he's not the star. Sorry, yeah. folks. All right.
0: Yeah, sounds like good fun. I mean, uh, when they. Uh, we, when they try to be a bit more outrageous, you do you do sit up a little bit more, you know. And uh, Chan Lau might be uh, definitely a reason to, to watch this, uh, other than the action. So
1: yeah, it's good old school
0: fun, right on. Uh, okay, for my pick, I I first I thought I saw this as Hello Dracula, but it turns out it's Hello Dracula two. And this is Taiwanese cinema cashing in on the uh, impact, the huge impact, Mr. Vampire had over in Hong Kong. The Hello Dracula movies became, yeah, movies. It became a series of four movies made between 1985 and 1989. And this is the second one in 1987. They all star child actress Liu Shi Yu, or Shadow Liu. And uh, I haven't read up... because I haven't found anything uh, in terms of how much of a smash this was, but I'm thinking you don't produce four movies when or when none of them are received well at all. I think it was a popular genre; they cashed in on it and made four four Hello Dracula movies. And uh, but we all know Taiwanese cinema could provide energy, it could provide a a solid picture of what they were capable of compared to the hong kong crew and hello dracula 2 is actually w- one such movie that i recommend because taiwan cinema is uh, you know it's a little mr vampire mr vampire engine that can that could <laughs> you know it's not uh, it's not weak material just because it's from taiwan it's good uh, it's energetic and uh, that's uh, that's definitely uh, an advantage but uh, a little bit of plot uh Chu uh, plays uh the taoist master of this one rather el- an elder one so they don't try to approximate Lam Qing ying as such he uh, along with his granddaughter tian tian played by uh, liu shiyu they are transporting the corpse of tian tian's former master even though she's little that's apparently her former master uh, and they are told uh, that when they're passing through a, a section of woods that uh, there is a story circulating here that there's a kid vampire haunting the woods. <laughs> the scary sights of a kid vampire, as we, will, uh, as we know from Mr. Vampire 2 and Vampire vs. Vampire. They're more cute than anything else. They were never scary. Uh, and uh, Q, that very kid vampire, you know, it leads to an encounter with uh, with that, but uh, also, of course, the, uh, the corpse that they are transporting, it reanimates in the process. I don't have much details about why it does. It just does you know madness ensues <laughs> mm-hmm. and um that uh, that little kid vampire is uh, at one point messing with the corpse transporter if you will he steals that transporter's bell and therefore the hopping vampires go all over the place and don't follow the transporter's uh, transporter's instructions so it's kind of light chaos too you know light comedic chaos and uh, and meanwhile, in town uh, the, that they are passing through, they, they are demanding that the Taoist priest uh, is. Uh, they dem- they're demanding that someone needs to take control of the situation. They know that they have a, a vampire zombie situation here that needs to be controlled and maintained. You know, those woods hold a lot of scary things, apparently. But uh, within all this, enter a group of Westerners two um three of them two that that i that are either dressed or as or are actually a priest and a nun respectively and there's also a businessman there because they they see the financial potential in transporting a chinese vampire back to the west so uh, the chaos is on and uh, the plot doesn't matter too much it, it, you you get it eventually but there is some kind of huh? oh, oh, oh all right okay oh fun so, <laughs> so uh it, it has pieces hello dracula 2 that uh, gel into this charming energetic somewhat bloody even and even gloomy hole it's placed with moods and is all over the place like the, like a good old hong kong movie you know uh, and despite being aimed at children which it largely is uh, it actually doesn't uh, uh you know it face darkness at points, but it also doesn't sink to that cartoony level all throughout that would have meant that it would be loud and grating, you know. Uh, because uh, some of these movies that were aimed at kids, they just thought like, okay, just just have people chase the kids in Benny Hill style, you know, mm. cranked uh, crank footage, you know. But they, this movie doesn't go there. And, uh, and, and again, the Taiwan crew, they prove adept at providing atmosphere via smoke and uh, off of a blue, blue lightning scheme that we see in these movies. But uh, you know, it, it's, it's well shot, and director Wang Sheng is not afraid to use that visual style as an excuse to go dark on us because uh, there, there is some violence here and some uh, some unexpected deaths, even of kids. Oh, okay. And, yep. Uh, there's also plenty of slapstick though because uh, as I said the kid vampire messes with the bell that the vampire transporter has of course but uh, also Tian Tian is teaching the corpses when, when they're in a building and they're, they're contained they have their little yellow paper on them they, I don't have a context of this but it just is that uh, a fact that Tian Tian is teaching the corpses how to do the quack <laughs> yeah exactly they, they she teaches them a little duck walking song <laughs> and, and that's rather inspiring and cute actually it's not like I don't know I I, I smiled I smiled and uh, but, but the best sight is of course the most inspired sight is uh, of the kid vampire the little Kung Z is playing bl- baseball by himself using a human heart in the woods <laughs> so he's running back and forth but obviously he can teleport himself you know pew <laughs> And he has the baseball, you know, uh, field drawn up in the woods, you know. <laughs> so it's not like he's running around, you know, in in the into the darkness, you know, he has a field drawn up and all of that. So uh it's that's good fun. And uh It's it's
1: too bad he doesn't have a full team. I'd love to see vampires go hopping out to get...
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in the other Hell Dracula movies they expanded on that idea. So uh, the, the thing is here that that they do well is one, they don't sink to that cartoony level that a kids movie could have sunk into but they actually give the that would have meant that the kids would have been at center but what they do here is they put them at center but put them to work you know they put they make them battle they vampires you know they make them just like in 3d army that i spoke about last episode so they they provide you know uh the various uh, uh, help at, at the various rituals at the altar and what have you They they're not just Victors that need to run away from all of this. They they are they are even acrobatic, you know. There's some of them are, are are you know trained martial artists, even though they're young and all of that. So they all are given a chance. Even the Western cast members, and this was what I was surprised about. This is a VHS print subtitled in Mandarin, but the Western cast members, when they speak with the Chinese uh, characters, they speak Mandarin. But when they speak with each other, they speak English.
1: Huh, that's
0: interesting. That's actually very rare because why go to the lengths of doing that when you can just double over the whole thing
1: especially when most your audience is mostly kids who may not even be able to read the chinese subtitles exactly
0: and and they, it's not like they they took some uh some some chinese speaker who doesn't have full grasp of the language to dub that they actually pulled in whoever they had who uh, with an american accent to to dub it you know and uh, it seemed like a rare effort in in that regard so uh, in, in a surprise move uh, uh, that, that happened uh, there, there's a scene where uh, an obese vampire is let loose and uh, is uh, uh, copying the movements of the uh, the woman who's dressed as a nun who def- and that scene where that happens is when she takes a bath so obviously yeah. she takes off her clothes no nudity though he does the same in the background and scrubs himself you know that's a HL slapstick and it takes a long while before she she knows he's there Sure. She's always turned away from the situation, so. But that's you know, that's all good fun. Well, that's and, uh, right,
1: right out of uh, was it Mr. Vampire Two that yes. has uh, Jin Soo Ho and uh, Pauline Wong doing that?
0: Exactly, uh, may w- much better in that movie, but uh, but uh, it's good fun here. It, it's um, it doesn't slow the movie down, and uh, and uh, yeah, as I said, there's gore here. There's a gore. There's a very gory impalement towards the very end. You know, whoa kids movie you said <laughs> so uh and uh, one hell of a gloomy ending i won't spoil it but uh, man oh man uh, that uh, that was not expected and uh you know hong kong and even time when will take detours into various moods but uh i didn't expect that
1: Now i know we're still really early on at figuring out the chronology of these films but do you think there is a running plot or do you think they're just standalone features
0: my guess would be standalone features. Uh, that if they had a running plot, that would mean an awful lot of efforts. Uh, I think this was just like cast her, cast her, cast her again. She's popular. A little kid is popular. Cast her again. Um, that's my guess. I mean, even the Mr. Vampire movies didn't didn't do a actual sequels. So, uh. but who knows? I haven't seen the other ones, but it didn't seem like an ongoing story though. Uh, this is a uh, hello dracula 2 it, uh, it was not like i was behind just because i could be, because everybody knew of a plot in hello dracula one that i didn't know about so uh, but uh we'll see i'm gonna try and try and see the other ones as well um taiwan could measure up to to hong kong and uh, and uh, echo the same success i mean in the case of this one i think uh, they, they do a pretty good job so.
1: so so you think it's probably on the level of say new mr vampire yeah sure. uh,
0: yeah yeah. i think that would be fair uh, uh, absolutely i mean you, you 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 sense it's not the leader of the pack but it's not a super watered down copy of of a success story if you will
1: so you probably liked it better than mr vampire in 1992
0: oh uh, yeah because <laughs> <laughs> i not like that film no it's a uh, pretty pretty bland yeah so uh, definitely it comes recommended that i do like it. uh for, for those who uh who get this via file sharing there is actually a torrent up there that identifies it as as hello dracula one which um, is all due to the internet not uh, having uh, correct information at this point but uh, they are rare movies it's not like i blame the internet for being you know wrong in this regard. it's just a bit confusing to keep track of, of all movies and in particular movies that not many people speak about anyway so uh but but it is in fact hello dracula 2. there's no english title on the print either so that that makes it a bit harder for those who don't read the chinese uh but uh that's uh that's that and uh before we sign off i mean you 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 might think here that we are picking random movies for main review and uh it's really not i mean it's it's my initially now it's my journey when that I'm uh, taking onto the podcast. and my journey started when I, uh, the journey I took when I started to write about these movies again on my website. So it's it's kind of the same choices that I made. Uh, a lot of Lu Shall Fan movies and all of that. But but we are trying to provide somewhat of a focus, you know, to try and open up, you know, the curtain uh, of this era. For, first of all, the '79 to '83 '84 era. So uh, it, there is a focus here, despite it seeming somewhat random. But uh, what I've decided to do next time is um, we are looking at mainly one movie, but two edits of it. Uh, We're looking at Last Breath and Jungle Heat. Oh, yes, and this is uh, Last Breath. Is um, you know, it's a war movie. It's a it's a pretty gory uh, war war movie, right? But uh, there's a different edit uh, called Jungle Heat that most people have seen, I think.
1: Yeah, that's, that's the one
0: i've seen and uh, it has in alternate footage which is exclusive to that version uh, sam jones flash gordon sam jones in uh, a, a supporting role uh, overall in the movie and uh so we're looking at two different edits uh for different markets you know with different uh different costs and different uh, purposes uh in a way uh, in particular in the first half of um half of each movie you know they're, they're quite different and uh that'll be interesting and uh, but both movies have though the classic scene you might have seen it on youtube with a man who has acid poured into his brain as a mean of torture and then jumps out of his skin (laughs) and you know what that's a pretty messed up ambitious effect sequence from taiwanese cinema
1: i think i'd do that too if someone was pouring acid on my brain
0: it's pretty nasty nasty one i don't know if you've seen uh, both edits or uh, no you don't seen it in jungle heat yeah.
1: yeah i think it's slightly abbreviated in jungle heat
0: uh, exactly and uh, but, but still uh, both movies have uh, pack pack a lot of heat if you will and uh, it'll be kind of interesting to see as, as best we can because jungle heat is available in full widescreen it's a uh, dublin english but due to um fully due to uh, sam jones's inclusion but um the last breath print is a very cropped print, but you do you, you, you can gain an appreciation for how different the editorial decisions were and uh, it's a bit flimsy too uh, when you look at the respective ones that uh, overall uh, many people will prefer jungle heat, I think because it uh, coheres a little bit more, but uh, they, they, they are different uh, in a way that it's, uh, that it's very interesting to look at both. So uh, we'll be looking at that aside from last taiwanese movies watched uh, we'll be focusing on one production and uh, the two different movies that's shot out of it if you will uh so that'll be good uh contact information before we sign off again this has been taiwan noir at the podcast on fire network website podcast on fire.com email for feedback podcast on fire at google you can still access the forum if you registered uh, a few months ago or a year ago podcast on fire.com forward slash forum where you'll find the members-only archive of extra stuff, but we also have bonus episodes posted on our website every now and again, exclusive to the website, not on iTunes, not on Stitcher. And follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash PWF Network, and discuss with us whatever you feel like, Uh, as long as it's legal, I guess, (laughs) (laughs) in the Podcast on Fire Network discussion group, and you just type in, podcast on fire network in the Facebook search bar and uh, you'll find the discussion group that way and follow us on twitter twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire follow my writing so good reviews.com and follow my video reviewing dckvideo.com and my and my tweets twitter.com forward slash so good reviews and subscribe to the podcast on fire network on iTunes and stream us via stitcher and that application is available to you to your um, to your computer or free and you can also download it too your tablet or smartphone and uh, Jesus blog that we mentioned before that uh, um, helps us I guess um, uh, unveil a lot of these Taiwanese movies behind the film market and IHT. quite a pleasure Golden Ninja Warrior Chronicles it's called and uh, Taiwan Black Movies posts is uh, what we'll link to in the show post and over to you John and your endeavors
1: okay my current blog is by John Charles that's all one word uh, my Hong-, Hong Kong digital site is still around you can check that out uh, my twitter account is at jcguelph, J-C-G-U-E-L-P-H. i'm in video watchdog and i'm occasionally on demolition man um, I, if you check uh, parts 32 and 33 i was on those episodes as well as a few uh, earlier ones
0: it's pretty good convo i've heard a few episodes so you guys gel uh, gel quite well so it's, it's, it's good fun but uh, and, uh, and, informat- and informative too so
1: yeah thanks it's, it's old friends with similar interest to shooting the shit
0: and uh, that's, uh, and to still get a good podcast out of that that other people enjoy other than, you know, your friends because it might be too inside the dialogue between you, you know. Um, but it yeah. isn't. so
1: Yeah, we try to keep the inside jokes at a minimum.
0: Yeah. Uh, alrighty. This has been Taiwan War number, what is it? Four by now. Yeah. Losing count already. we are producing so much. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've been kind of your host and with me was my co-host, John Charles. Thanks
1: again. It was a pleasure. ¡Feliz You, 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 you,